Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another all-new X is for Show, your premier media response show. You can find the show at X is for Show if I say that phrase one more time. But you can check me out. Nico Action at Nico Action on your socials. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And uh, we got us a real... God, those songs were terrible, but great finale. And I'm Show. You can find me at Show Doing Show. Just kidding. I'm TK. You can find me at TK Elemental on all your socials. And that makes me Kevo. And you can find me on XD Being Sexy over at Kevo Really. That's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And, um, you know, we had a pretty big finale, so we've got some pretty big questions for you right up front. And let's start with the biggest question you can ask. Hmm. All right. We got favorite queen winner. Mm-hmm. She got to have one. Mm-hmm. She got to be a winner. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh favorite pit crew boy right um stuffs or not doesn't matter we love them and uh favorite judge right um so i want to start with uh each one of us should go first for a different category does anybody have a category that they feel really passionately about i like them all all right well then i'm gonna kick off with uh hottest pit crew boy that's calyx for me uh what a handsome hottie what a what a gentleman among gentlemen, uh, though I hope he is not too much of a gentleman. So, uh, oh my God, they're just every one of them a prince. For us. Thank right? you all for uh, letting us objectify you, but also safely from a distance where we don't have your home addresses. Um, TK, what uh, which pit crew member gets your engine a revving? Sadly, the one that is not here, the OG pit crew boy with the best tattoos and a great mustache, Sean. Hello, Sean. Sean, Sean. I have Sean. another visual prepared as well. And he's not there. Bruno is a no. close second. He's uh, a classic. Bryce is a classic yeah, as well. He's really fantastic. But Kevo, who's yours? Uh, mine is there. This wasn't on purpose, I swear. I just grabbed the best picture I could find that had a few together with torsos. Uh, but Asaf, uh, yeah. especially because we knew him from Worst Cooks in America. Uh, that was really cool. You know, we talk a lot when we see people on our cooking shows about how many of them are people looking for their reality niche. And mm-hmm. so this felt like quite a leap, but it was quite a fun one for sure. And uh, I, I love all of that. And now I need to I need to take it a step higher. All right. Favorite judge. Kevo, I'm going to ask you, do you feel judgy enough to judge your favorite judge? Uh, you know, I feel like it's almost cheap to say Michelle because that's like saying your favorite guest host on Johnny Carson is Ed McMahon. That doesn't count. He's there anyway. Storm can still be your favorite ex-woman. There's nothing wrong with it, even if it's the obvious choice. Okay. She's an well, icon. Then, yeah. Yes. A, a certain fondness for her, a certain fondness for her dynamic with Rue, something to which I very relate with my own Rue. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give it up for Michelle. TK, who, uh, who weighs down the judgment that you love the most? Uh, so, if we're not talking the core judges, we're talking guest judge. <laughs> sure. Unequivocally, uh, the perfect companion to Kevo's choice. Leah Remini. Actual, actual love of my life. She and Michelle are such a good duo. I wish she was on more. 
Um, you know, I huge shout out to like T.S. Madison and Lonnie Love and the ones that yeah. really showed up during COVID. I love them a lot uh, and they deserve so much recognition. But like we had this great Leah Remini episode and it's one of my favorites and she's such a good judge. And I think she and Michelle have such a good chemistry to balance out Michelle and Rue's chemistry. So like so many amazing judges. But uh, man, I love Leah Remini so much anyway. She's just the best. And I'm a longtime Ross guy. Uh, I I've never been so. But here's you know one of my earliest problems that kept me from coming to Drag Race was I could never figure out why Ross, the then largest of the judges, did not simply <laughs> consume the other judges. Um, but now that Rue is back to being, um, you know, Rue is sort of like a kaiju. She's so big. Um, now that Rue is back to being queen of all that she surveys in the land, I'm getting as somebody who went through a weight loss transformation. I just want to say I think it's amazing that Ross decided to change his life in a positive way uh, because he's just as funny as he's ever been. Um, nothing changed on the inside, just uh, feeling better about himself. And as somebody who went through a similar transformation but has always loved Ross, uh, I relate to him a little bit extra. Also, uh, Leah Remini, step on me, mommy. I also want to give a uh, special shout out to Carson as someone that we have loved. Specifically, we enjoyed him so much as one of the co-hosts of the incomparable, indomitable. I'm definitely going to trick these guys into covering it again for this holiday season uh, rap battle. Oops, I fell into the trap. I guess that, we're doing it. You can't trick the willing or whatever. Like, <laughs> oh lord, that's a much so better version glorious. of that phrase. Um, I mean, so I think right. this that's lost media. Ultimately, the point is here is nobody's favorite is Santino. So if you're watching, just know that that's I, true. I we were talking about all the things that, uh, and you know what? It's the time we said he's going to come in, so we're going to bring him in for this, so he can weigh in on the last question too. But we were uh, making a list of all of the ways that Project Runway and Drag Race have so much in common. Yeah, season seven, both being all winners, yeah. uh, all star seasons, um, both shows being queer groundbreaking media featuring a lot of allies in major roles. Both shows got better after Santino left. Preach. Uh, but speaking of things that only get better and better every single day, uh, this guy is uh, the whole reason that Kevo and I took a chance, uh, made a change, and uh, decided to break away. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, if TK is Kelly Clarkson, this guy was Avril Lavigne. Let's bring in Jonah. Uh, that's anybody who doesn't know. Uh, Breakaway was written for Avril Lavigne, and she recorded it. And then they were for like, "And by." Yeah, and then they were like, "But you did. You just did. Uh, I'm with you, yeah. and um, what the the one that they do really well on Glee. Don't let go. I'll keep holding on. Keep holding on. Uh, anyway, her version is incredible as well. So Jonah, yeah. you are our Avril Lavigne. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Where can people find you? You can find me over on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. That's P E A K. All right, Pit Crew Boy. Uh, for me, uh, it's Bryce because Bryce makes me laugh. Uh, and I like that Bryce is an aerospace engineer and we have that in common. I was going to say, he's a science nerd for you. He's a, he's, uh, he's got a degree. All right. Now who's, who's your judge? 
Oh, are you going with the engineer judge? Are you going to go with the, she's got a degree? I mean, I do love Lonnie Love. Uh, no, my uh, my favorite judge ever, always, whenever she's on, it's always a good time. She always makes me laugh, is Nicole Byer. Nicole Byer yeah. loves drag, loves these <laughs> queens, is friends with you these queens. Uh, and she always gives the funniest, best advice. So, Nicole Byer. Yeah, she's she's in that tier of regulars that are really awesome. Byer, I hardly know her. So, um, I... I have for us, uh, queued up, by the way, a notification that I got in the middle of this broadcast, encouraging me to slay my way through our current topic. So I believe this means <laughs> that we have Paramount Plus's, uh, blessing. sponsorship yeah. and blessing. Yeah. So Done. we're here to officially talk about... Sold. Yeah. So let's talk favorite winner. Um... It's tough. It's tough for me. So many of my faves are winners. Uh, hold on. We each got to start with one, and so this one is mine. Oh, no, but I'm, I'm putting it to you. I'm, I'm okay. asking you. Okay. Uh, Here you go. So, like, you know, it, it's got to be a winner. It's And I, so I know this is tough, but I believe in our team. So, big guy, favorite winner. Not hard for me. It's Bianca Del Rio. Oh, good choice. Ooh, yeah. Good one. It's uh that's a it's, uh, good choice without hesitation. I mean, you know, the next person down is like a micro point away from Bianca. There's just the tier of great winners is a strong tier, but you know, you put the gun to my head without hesitation, Bianca. Well, me and my gun have the tier in your hand, and so my question for you becomes mm -hmm. who is your number two that's just a micro tear away? Jinx. Oh, hot. Okay, so speaking of Jinx. Uh, I would love to ask somebody who stands Jinx so good, so hard. Uh, Kevo, you are a big Jinx fan. We talked a lot about uh, how cool Jinx is on our amazing Doctor Who broadcast. So a little bit of cross promotion. Don't forget to check out yesterday's Doctor Who broadcast. Uh, but Kevo, who is Yawena? Uh, you know, and I thought about it in the five seconds since you introduced the question. And, you know, yes, Jinx is someone I have a lot of affection for. Bianca, there's a lot of winners. Um, but I think the one that I'm going to go for, even though it is such a recent one, is Sasha Colby, because this was my first ever live season. And it's a winner I really wanted. There were a few uh, contestants that I would have been completely okay with winning as well. Uh, Anitra keeps popping into my head and I'm like, she's not a winner. Stop it. Wait until she does her all-stars. But, uh, it's, it's always really satisfying when the first thing that you come to of a program like this, it is such a happy and satisfying conclusion. Uh, the first time I voted didn't go so well. So I'm, I'm a little more sour on the American government than I am on drag race right now. Go figure. Well, I think you, know. you picked one that's going to really be like a one of the greats of the winners you know one of the ones that people really remember as just being such a special win whenever she's at a waffle house she just does goddess so yeah. at least that's what tiktok <laughs> has me believe um that's winner behavior jonah jonah if you could i know you would give these beautiful women the power to megazord into some sort of super mecha queen 
But if you can really only pick one winner, who's your lady? Pop the drag queen. I, 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 I base too much of my mannerisms and my personality off of Bob because I see somebody who is so effortlessly funny in ways that I just aspire to be. And uh, when there's often that question of RuPaul's re when RuPaul retires, which I don't think RuPaul's retiring until she's chrono frozen somewhere. Um, then it's I think gonna it's going to be Bob. RuPaul. It, is, it will just be Mecca RuPaul. And it'll still just be Michelle Visage. Mm -hmm. um, corpse. But uh, Bob, it's Bob. Bob, Bob is the queen of everything. Uh, Bob the drag queen. Bob the builder. Uh, Bob the uh, CEO. Everything. Bob the builder now, is the queen of everything, isn't he? Now, I need to say that all of you have amazing picks. Uh, and almost every one of your picks is on one of my lists. I think Bob in like fifth place is my lowest down. Like, So I'm going to say my number two. Uh, the lady who I dream of at night, uh, my very own Janet Shea Coulee, the actual coolest woman in the actual world ever. I, God, how is anyone so cool? She is, oh man. Anyway, Shea Coulee changed my life. Uh, there's something about like, Shea, for me, redefines beauty in a really striking, powerful way. Shay never looks anything less than like, like a queen, but like she's never a queen the way you expect her to be. Even when she does fabulous, it's fabulous in a way you never saw coming. And like, I don't know, you know, Raja and Aquaria and, you know, Violet Chachki, you know, the fashion queens uh, and, you know, you know, detox, but um, you know, the, <laughs> the fashion queens are all so amazing. Uh, but I think there's something that like, Shay as not quite a fashion queen, but not quite a club kid, not quite a pageant queen, but a hundred percent that bitch really brings. And I just wanted to monologue that she should have won All Stars Seven. So we're here to talk about All Stars Eight's finale. Um, but what I do want to say is I have a very short list of favorite conversations I've ever had with anyone, right? Um, I, I try to keep that list really short so that none of them ever seem less special. And um, I had a conversation with Jonah uh, the other day in the car where he came alive. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked at length about how nothing in my world has ever felt like getting to be a fan of Tori Amos during Scarlet's Walk. It was a celebration. It was the coolest thing in the world. She was on every night on every channel. Oh, it was like being a fan of the X-Men during Hoxpox, that level of celebrity. And Jonah, you were talking a little bit about how magical it was to be part of uh, All-Stars 7, like watching it live and seeing this incredible creature. And I would love for you to talk like a, a bit about that as you warm us into All-Stars 8. Oh, you know, great drag race leader, man. Um, yeah, All Star 7, there was a, for a very long time, there was a lot of whisperings and rumor, rummaging and uh, this idea thrown around by fans, hinted at by some queens, the, uh, this idea of doing an all winter season. And there's a huge risk when you are a winner doing an all, all winter season, because you look at other you know, competition shows have done it. You look at stuff like Top Chef, you click stuff like Project Runway, where um, you're getting yeah. eliminated. 
uh, <laughs> where you're getting eliminated and that there's a very big difference of Project Runway or Top Chef because regardless of that, you're still going to be successful. You're still going to either continue doing clothing the way you were because you took a break to come do this competition or, you know, you're still going to have your restaurants. You're still going to be the chef you are. Nothing of that changes. Even but after you crush it, all of Stephanie's dreams, you'll still be Nicholas Elmi. Don't worry about it. But with Drag Race, there's a particular notion uh, that I think is a lot. Has, we have a lot, lot more critical and harsher fan base that your reputation and how people view you can really change when you go back for another time, a second or third time or whatever, and you get a different placement that doesn't really match what you did the first time. And that calls into a lot of questions where people are like, were they dragged by production? Did they actually deserve it? And so it's a very big deal and a big, I imagine a big risk for many people for this idea of all winners. So cut to All-Star 7, we're like, okay, there's only a, there's only eight queens there. And it's a great cast of queens um, that were all very deliberately picked. You have Raja and Jinx, two OGs from much older seasons to be reintroduced to the fan base almost a decade later, over a decade later for some of the, uh, for you know someone like Raja, even though she's been working with WoW for years upon years doing fashion photo review here on YouTube. And you have Jinx, who you know has been doing so many great things um, from but... her chicken hut. I mean, she does so much from that hut with the chicken legs, and like that they found parking for her flying mortar and pestle. Oh, Baba Yaga. Yeah, I think Jinx is the Baba Yaga. <laughs> I thought you were saying she works at a chicken hut, like fast food. <laughs> and you know what? That works for Jinx, too. Listen, I, I I did not make up this read. It is on YouTube, and you can find it. Someone did say that Jinx was the chicken lady from Kids in the Hall. And it is, oh, unfortunately, there. it's there. Um, <laughs> then you also you have uh, the Vivian, who is the UK season one winner, which the UK package prize is unfortunately very lackluster, and <laughs> she won a lot more money than any other money else over there. You have, uh, and I think she was another really great ambassador, really great representative, someone who's worked with well before that they brought in, and then you have Monet and. Um, trinity the twinners and you have this idea of the storyline of they're both doing it who actually deserve to win um them playing spy versus spy like they're five years old where everyone's like we know you're in a lot you're in an alliance um and then you have people like evie and shay and uh jada and those were the queens that were affected by the pandemic their runs their reigns were completely impacted by the pandemic and it was really cut short on the amount of traveling they can do the amount of you know promotion and gigs and all these different things that they could do because everybody was quarantining you know <laughs> jada won on zoom jada and shay won on zoom still uh, winners still winners um did i miss anybody i'm gonna feel bad if i miss someone i think i got them all i'm gonna look like a big old butt if i don't remember don't worry you know what it's like when you go to name all of the kids on full house it's totally okay to miss one you know what no, I mean? okay i got everybody i got everybody We're especially good. if it's the baby what was the baby's name again uh, there was a baby? uh isn't there was that a baby dinosaurs on... i'm hooked up 
I would love it if the actual plot was dancing baby cha-cha, screaming not the mama, hitting Dave Coulier with a pan. Mm -hmm. If only. Um, But then, so we we get, we, we get this, we get this trailer uh, and there was this, this idea because up until that point, we were all like, it's not going to happen. You know, people, we would joke, uh, winning Queens would joke about it. Bianca joked about it constantly. Uh, I think Bob talked about it. They all talked about this idea of, oh, we're going to do all winners. Ha ha. Yep. Cause that's a real thing. And then it actually happened. Bob and, and Bianca were the two best examples, by the way, because they will never do it. If no, World of Wonder offers them $10 million, they will never do it. So you had these two solid authority figures being like this show that doesn't exist and shouldn't exist because I would never do it. And I think that was one of the reasons why we all were like, yeah, I mean, like, makes sense. They're not going to do it. But it didn't stop people from wanting it. Yeah. And um, when it was actually announced and we got this promo trailer and we got the like, oh, this is real. And you see this amazing cast of like very diverse, very talented queens. You're like, oh, this is real. This is serious. And All-Star 7 has the perfect format in that it's eight incredibly talented people. Nobody's eliminated. Nobody runs the risk of ruining their reputation, running anything. uh, nobody, Nobody loses the chance to showcase who they are. And it works for all winners because they are all so multi-talented they have so many different facets to their drag to their art to their ability as performers that they can bring to the main stage of drag race and showcase all those many talents and apply it to the different challenges and it was a beautiful glorious thing to watch week after week of just people you know for the most part everybody did very well you you, i think if you objectively look at everybody's performances throughout the entire season Outside of individual challenges that might have been a little bit difficult and clunkers for some people, nobody did bad. Everybody did well. And it was a joy to kind of reaffirm your love for these people who you're like, yeah, that's why they won the first time. Um, And so All-Star 7 was just this magical moment in uh, history that I really, I hope they wait wait longer to do again. Because we had this thing where all-Stars 1 happened, and it was just really bad. The Queens, it was just a fever dream. We often talk about Season 1 as the lost season, but people go back and watch Season 1 now, and we're like, damn, we understand what was going on. Those are the OGs. But All-Stars 1, while entertaining, is Do Shanji and Raja know each other? Do what? Do Shanji and Raja know each other? Oh, yes, Nico. <laughs> yes, they do. Do they not get along? They no, did not during their season. Not I, during their season. I really, I, that's a, a celebrity deathmatch fight. I would absolutely uh, Zuck Musk pay money for. Kevo, you went to say something. I really don't agree, though, on the wanting to wait to see something like it again anytime soon, because I actually found Seven to be the most engaging of all the All-Stars that I had seen so far. And so much of that was because they retained the cast for so long. I keep making the joke when we get to the finales of All-Star seasons. It's not a real finale. It doesn't count. It's just like a regular episode. And then the last five minutes, they treat it like a finale and there's a winner and yay. The Boy Scout Jamboree ends in a bigger flash. 
seven was the first time that because everyone had stayed throughout and the cast had stayed so big and entertaining that I didn't feel like as we got closer and closer to the end of the season that I was getting kind of bored because you're winnowing down this talent pool of people that I already know and love and want to see more of. And that really made it so much more engaging for me, especially in the All-Stars format. I actually, what it's worth, one of the big things they are, the, one of the big rumors floating around is that while the next All-Star season will not be an all-winner season, it will follow the nobody-goes-home format. Yeah, it seems that's like that's more something what I like. that people are really... Uh, it's becoming more and more important because if you're going to spend all the money to go... You want, I mean, like, that's the thing is like, fool me once, it's fine. Fool me twice, no thank you. I I need to tag. There's a degree to which, like, part of drag, like, part of doing anything is just being seen. So if you lose the ability to be seen on Drag Race, it's losing in a way that's different than, like, on Top Chef or something like that. But, I need to challenge because Jonah had the most, because I said the exact same thing, but Jonah's point is so excellent. In fact, being on longer could ruin your career. Jonah? Yeah, the point I wanted to make about All-Star 7 is that you casted these juggernauts. We can't use Titans because that's the other show. Um, But they cast these juggernauts of people who are multi-talented, who are multifaceted, that can apply themselves well to all of the Drag Race challenges. I get a little wary when people are like we love this format we want this all the time because not every queen who's ever cast in the show has the talents that drag race is always looking for and sometimes they just have a bad week and they do have the talents but they just have that just happened to be the episode you go home but i'm going to feel worse for somebody and i'm not going to be entertained when you have people who don't have the skills that they constantly ask for on drag race don't do well in a challenge and then are just we see them not do well the entire competition. It's going to leave a sour taste in many people's mouths about that person, about their abilities. And that's not fair to that person. It's not fair to the fans. Um, and it also, it's going to, it could highlight a lot more of the production. Uh, like I've said this before on the show, I prefer when production has the invisible hand where you don't really notice what they're doing. I find that a lot more entertainment attaining and it feels, none of this is fair to begin with. But it makes it gives the illusion of fairness. That's what I need. I need the illusion of this is all fair and nothing is rigged. Um, you need rigged. to not see those moments where it's so clearly unfair and so clearly the judges are gaslighting you by saying somebody who won did so when they clearly were in the bottom. They clearly did the worst in the challenge. Yes. And um, the, the comparison I wanted to make to was All-Stars 1 to All-Star 2, there was a four-year wait. And that made All-Stars 2 even that more, much more better because it was this anticipation of, well, it's been four years. We don't even know if we're ever getting another All-Stars. Drag Race seems to be, keep going. And mind you, this is still back in the logo days. The show, while becoming bigger, is was nowhere near where it is today. Mm. And so we, get, we got really worried. And then All-Stars 2 happened. And it's an amazing season. All these juggernauts. And when you have a cast like that, yes, I think you can do something like this. So would I love another all-winter season again sooner? In theory, yes. But I think I want the magic of a little bit. Just give me a little bit of time. Let's let's let some people soak. Let's let some people get gather some stuff because I want people to have time to prep. 
I don't want to see Sugar fumble her way awkwardly through 11 episodes where she has to do three roasts, two talent shows, and so four dresses. I mean, I think part of the thing is if they were to do another No One Goes Home season, it would have to be another, like, probably eight, you know, seven or eight person cast because yes. more than that, it's just too chaotic. And mm -hmm. at that level, at that point, it's pretty plausible that you could get eight solid queens who are not going to just like completely implode. They're not going to be getting Gia Gunn in for that season. It's going to be the ones that can really withstand the scrutiny of being there the entire time. I and think. With the yeah. advent of Jimbo on this season, oh, international yeah. seasons are now yeah. not knocked out. We all, have a much game. larger. Yeah. I'm so glad cool. you brought up this season because I'm going to move us into season eight. Yes, right? perfect segue. I want to, uh, number one, say that we have an amazing comment from uh, Diana Agron's cousin, Talir. Um, hey, Talir. And Talir says, for me, All-Stars should be like the World Cup or the Olympics every four years. I, I love like that. that because I actually think you could do it just like the Olympics more often on the twos if you do it different. Like. Yeah. Every yes. other is a pageant uh, variety because there are so many funny queens that I bet could just do sets. And that's where I, I need to say, I wanted Jimbo to win. I wanted Jimbo to win from week one. I don't think Jimbo beat Candy because I don't think these two people were competing on the same thing. Yeah. This is like asking me to say, who's a better singer, Adele or Peebo Bryson? And, like, I guess, obviously, it should be Adele, but, like, that's my perspective, and I bet there's a lot of people that think otherwise. And, like, this is just so different. You know, you've got a beautiful, powerful diva in Jimbo, and then you've got a man. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Candy Muse's glow up is like no one else's. 10 trillion percent. She's 85 times the woman I'll ever be. What a fucking queen this season. So, guys, Jimbo Candy. Let's go. Come through. Jimbo candy would not taste good. No. It remembers being born. Uh, I think a lot of us saw this as being, if not the top two, the core of what would be the top four or the top three when it came down to it. Um, Jimbo has had such a weird uh like mechanics of drag race journey and how she is affected by what goes on in the show but in terms of displaying talent and getting people excited and being a personality it has been just so phenomenal and people just always want more jimbo so that really felt like, you know, in that way that you don't want any of the winning queens to go home because you just want to see what they're going to do every week. It really felt like Jimbo would make it all the way through because people would just always want to see what she was going to do next week. Candy yeah. had a more straightforward. She did great on Drag Race. She had a really strong personality. Can she come back and do it again? Will she have that same strong personality? I'm sorry. Did you just call her arrogant? <laughs> exactly. Will she will she have that a second time or was that really, you know, around a different cast of people and after some time maturing, is that something that, you know, she will set aside? And I think 
it was really clear early on that her can I do this again arc would be another really important one. And there were certainly times where I thought like this might be it. But my expectation was that she would get there till the end. Now I thought we would see one or two other queens along with them. Being in a top two was very odd and we'll talk about that more. But <laughs> uh they they were two that I definitely thought I would be seeing in the moment where we we watched them. Kevo, Kevo, Kevo. My oh my god. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Oh yeah. No. You guys don't even understand. You don't understand. My I have a visual obs- prepared. Thank you. My obsession with Jeffrey Mack is like insane. Who's There's- Jeffrey Mack, Nico? Jeffrey Mack is the season 18 winner of Project Runway and one of the most fabulous winners of any reality show ever in the world. But He's what does so that have hot. to do with Drag Race? That fucking jacket. This jacket. Right there. <laughs> uh, first of all, Jeffrey Mack is so Good hot, Lord. it's actually disgusting. Um, I didn't even he... try to find that. No, that's just how hot he is. And this whole this whole runway collection, this was the sharpest runway collection since... Christian defied Couturier in season four. This runway collection wanted you to feel stupid for never thinking about gender this way and then spat on your dick. This runway collection was so... Spat on it. It was so good. This runway collection, I remember just screaming the whole time, beginning to end. Um, did so, he? I don't remember. Did he win? Or did I scream? No, I'm asking Jonah if you screamed. <laughs> he probably did. Yeah, He's usually just screaming. This is a really good call. So anyway, I love that jacket and Candy Muse wearing it just makes it... Candy Muse, you can go sit next to Raja on that list of fashion queens now. Sorry, Jeffrey Mack jacket is everything to me. Sorry. <clears throat> and I love that you not only recognized it, but looked into it and corroborated that yes, it yep. is Jeffrey Mack. Uh, so that was awesome. Whereas uh, Jimbo is wearing uh, Couture Krusty the Clown. Oh, I thought that was the skinned remnants of Johnny Depp's career. <laughs> no, I I swear it must be Krusty because that is the right color and it is the right hair shape. I mean, yeah, sure. even, if, even if she specifically was not like, yes, this is Krusty the Clown. Clearly, the clown references are are so strong, and you know, I that was I didn't think about it immediately, but as soon as you said it, you can see it perfectly. Um and this is uh Pennywise's slutty uh teenage stepdaughter. Yeah, yes. it goes Pennywise, Nickelback, Quarterfuck. I love that. Thank you, Nico. And I really feel like these waiting for the announcement looks did very well epitomize both of these women in beautiful ways. Yep. You know, the 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 clownishness, the uh you know, sort of street ishness uh that they both embody. Uh so that was really cool. Uh, you know, this wasn't really good versus evil in any kind no. of actual aggressive sort of way. More like in a mean girls kind of way where Regina's not actually killing anyone. She mm. just needs to learn and grow. But the and... fact that Candy knew to be in a bubble jacket just in case the bus does come is... Okay. But... Uh, well, you know who's driving that bus? Alexis Michelle. <laughs> Crying as she hits the brakes or she hits the, the gas Damien of this cast. How is she yeah. gonna drive the bus if she's supposed to park it on the back of her head? 
That Sorry, is a you helicopter, came, sir. Girl, you came for La La Re, and, no. and please, I'm not coming for anybody. And Alexis Michelle, uh, all things said, you gave one hell of a season of television. You made you, literally insane television, and you looked real good doing it, girl. I got to be real, real honest. It makes me feel bad, but man, I would, uh, I would love to be your escort to, uh, to your nephew's bar mitzvah. So just give and me a call. Her- even her antics, though, like you're not going to go down in the books as one of the worst villains in Drag Race history. It was as as Talir points out, haha, the chaos. <laughs> it was just chaotic and fun. She is she to me, like in my mind, it's villain. Like it's very much giving villain. That to me was a surprise villain arc. Wait, uh, am I the drama? No, you're not the drama at all. It's Alexis. Um, <laughs> you're by comparison, you are rather chill, um, and that's saying something. Uh, yeah, I really, I did think at first that it was like just chaotic and like Alexis being wild. By the end, I was like, yeah, that's actually maybe that's villainy. That's Jessica Wild. Yes, shut up. I guess I feel because she didn't really ever have that much power. I'm seeing her as a lot more impotent than she saw herself. And maybe Ineffectual that's villains are still villains. So she's yeah, worm tongue. Draco Malfoy is still annoying. So okay, fair enough. I think the most thing Drake. I think the most offensive thing Draco Malfoy actually can possibly do in all of Harry Potter is just be very uncut at you. Um. So okay, let me ask. Let me ask. Let me ask. Number one, how does everybody feel about the winner? Do we have a Jimbo did deserve? It was a it was a winner's win. I want to say. I think we're all thumbs up. I mean, the point that you made earlier is an important one. Um, that these two people were kind of not in the same competition. So, in I mean, Jimbo is a phenomenal contestant, and there was never a point where I felt like she should have gone home and didn't. Um, but quite different um green team jimbo (laughs) so here's the thing and and, uh nico alluded to this car ride where i went on on so many tangents um no seriously it was like um it was just like the hottest thing he was on fire it was true flames flames on the side of my face it was madeline khan in that moment in clue also giving the night the lights went out in georgia while being kristen chenoweth floating up in the bubble doing the high e it was Uh, um i was just like where did we just see that oh uh, (laughs) but um i look at everything and I am very appreciative that Rue now brings the distinction based off tonight's performance as well as your performance throughout the entire season. Because if they're only basing it off that final episode, Candy won. Candy destroyed Jimbo in that lip sync. And Jimbo did pretty Jimbo did what Jimbo does best and gave it gave it a character. Um <laughs> I mean, I would say the other question is did Leland fail? Well, well, we're going to get into those songs. I'm honestly, I'm even discounting those. I'm pretending that didn't happen. That didn't happen in my narrative. Uh, yeah. That entire episode, it was really weird. It was just a just a picture of RuPaul smiling. That the entire thing. That, that entire like, fifteen minutes. 
it, it um, got the sherry pie edit. It just didn't happen on screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, what I look, I am somebody who, I, as Nico, uh, I said this to Nico and he keeps, he keeps quoting it back at me. The idea of the winner package, this idea of, okay, did you slay on the runway? Did you slay in challenges? You don't have to win every challenge, but did you do well in enough challenges? Um, do you have what I consider, in my opinion, the winner's run? Did you have, do you, do, if I look back at everything and go, yeah, that's a winner. I look at both of them and I could, you can make an argument for both, but I look at Jimbo and go, that's the winner. I look at everything on the, only on the show, because I try not to let uh, off show stuff cloud my judgment on who should or shouldn't win. Um, but I think Jimbo completely was just doing so well throughout the entire competition and didn't really have any bad challenges. I feel like right now in this image right here, Lala Ri could just take the role of David as pumpkins and just, that would be, that would be perfect. I, I love that shirt on him. Alexis um, isn't that far. No. <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> I hope this isn't reference to her drag daughter, Jan. And just as a Peter Merce that just has her face on it. Because I was thinking to myself, they look like Almond Joy and Mounds because uh, Lala Ree has nuts and Alexis Michelle doesn't. Because the funniest but moment, yeah. the funniest moment of all time for me, I mean, like, <clears throat> I did not understand Love Pink until uh, yesterday. And I now think it is the funniest thing I have heard next to, oh, Jesus, gross. Uh, Thorgy for like my bottom five queens of all time, girl. You are in all my favorite memes. Um, but <sighs> it's um, one of those ones where I think you're just off the mark. I think that's fine. But uh, Alexis Michelle saying, "I take full responsibility for your elimination," is like, uh, look, I, I, I. That is the funniest, insane thing I have ever heard said on television. The definition of ineffectual villainy. <laughs> you are such an insane woman. Oh my god, I'm so attracted to you. Um, so I don't know. The other thing I really need to talk about for five and a half minutes minimum is um Miss One and Only, the experience, La La Ri. Um I Winner wanted Lala. Games. Winner okay. of the Fame Games. I have to. This is my problem. I wanted her to win in the Fame Games. Every episode we've talked about, you can like go back. I just yeah. keep being like La La Re or nothing, right? Well, you From, up until uh, most of it, you wanted La La Re to be the, in the top. Yeah, I wanted her to win, um, which you know, for <laughs> most of it was was very plausible. Um, I do feel like she did kind of get the Shay at it, and. This is something that we talked about for a minute, Jonah and I in the car. I truly, Shay Coulee is like my number two queen of all time beyond behind Bianca. Um, I think Shay Coulee defines cool in a way most people will never even come to understand. And she defines it. Can't it's, wait to see her in Ironheart. At forever. Because she is a gift to this planet, right? But it did feel like they forgot she was there because they wanted to make other queens look good in a way that would generate episode buzz because everybody knew Shay was going to do great. She's Shay Coulee. And then the edit defied Shay's success. So they had to come up with a way that fixed it. And Jonah's point to me was great. It's not that there were three stars to help Shay, 
there were three stars because too many people were too close in mathematic value that three stars was the minimum that could shake things up in the finale. It was a requirement for mathematic value. I also have this whole thing that I think there should be stars and hearts and they should do different things because I basically think that RuPaul is Ganon. So, um, uh, but my whole oh, point. Oh, I was thinking pots of golden rainbows, but okay. Oh, yeah, no. I think Michelle Visage could be a tiny little Italian leprechaun. So can we get clovers and blue moons in the mix then if we're just going for this? I'm going to bring the clovers and the blue moons because you know what I think? I think I can't get enough of it. You've grown. I just, you I want to like slap. Whereas I love big red balloons. I love him and I think he's so funny, but he has one line he uses. You know what you have? You have that spark. It's that spark. You know, it's that thing. You can go a lifetime and see a million performers and you've got it, sweetie. You've got it. And I love it. I just, I want more of it. Shut up, Ross. And if he needs to go negative, he'll go, but I'm worried there's a gas leak in the house. (laughs) I think it's Carson that, hey, y'all, I ride horses. That's my impression of Carson Kressley. You just forgot. fashion. Yeah. And, and I sit on dicks. So, um, okay. But, so, like whole point. I, I sit on red balloons. It's a very popular website for clips for sale. So, um, so here's the thing. Um, mathematically, somebody had to get that triple vote. Like, it, it's actually the benefit of winning. There needed to be a mathematic value that shifts it. But, uh, Daddy would work so hard to munch on those numbers and find out who would have won the fame games on raw value without the triple and double. Uh, well, that would be hard to tell because we don't, we will never know. That's what I want to know. But for anybody who did actually vote knows there was no security for the voting. It was open for two days. You just need to put an email that did not need to be verified. uh, This was how Queen won fan favorite at one point. I just Uh, need to remind everybody that the most chilling moment in comic book history is I believe in Harvey Dent. Elections can be swayed, folks. Um, but and I feel that I am so happy that Lala won something. Uh, that makes me extremely happy. But it does feel like the whole point of the voting was completely thrown out when you get a three times multiplier. Yeah. It's anyone who's ever played an RPG sure knows you need that multiplier to get that score. <laughs> but I get to say my favorite thing now. They had to record every single other person winning the fame games because they have no idea when it's currently airing. So there is there is footage of every single queen getting that crown, getting that money, and then going to have to go in the confessional and say, I just won the fame games. And I would pay an absorbent amount of money to see that footage unedited. I want to see Monica Beverly Hills, which is going to be like, okay, I won the fan games. I don't really have to do this, right? Uh, you know, when do they do clock. it, do you think? Do you think they do it at the start of the season? Is there a Heidi video? <laughs> I am so excited <laughs> to have won the fame games for you people. Where's the door? That is, that is way too good of an impression. I act, I think Heidi and Closet is like I I hear everything they say about people could have like, Heidi Closet could have a TV show like she is a certain caliber of personality I literally think the world is whatever Level she of wants comedy it to be. yes and understanding of absurd humor I breathtaking 
it's not that I do a good impression of Heidi. It's that Heidi is such a strong personality. Any impression that understands what a powerful woman she is captures that essence. She really is. Like when I think about like when people say black female excellence, like she checks all of those boxes every time someone explains to me what I should think when I hear a black woman say to me, black female excellence, like Heidi defines fabulous. She's really quite a person. Which is why it is a bummer that she left. Um, I love that she felt like I'm good. That she didn't feel so trapped to be somewhere yes. that she didn't want to be. Uh, I am bummed that ultimately she decided she didn't want to be there. Yes, Jada uh, is my dream date. Jada is my dream date. Jada is my dream date. Talir Agron said uh, Jada and Heidi's podcast is awesome. It All is in closet. It is so good. It's such a riot. It's where we got the infamous. Uh, that's how I ended up shitting in a parking lot in Glasgow. <laughs> Poor Heidi. Poor Heidi. Oh, uh, I Part of me actually really hopes that Heidi did just start a, a trend that she did set a really bad precedent uh, of queens deciding... I've done enough. I've shown people enough. I'm just going to head out because even though obviously like I would hate for that to be a big thing and like reflect badly on any Queens, I think it would be very funny for production to have to rethink how they do the show because Queens are just like, well, I know I'm not going to win. I showed some phenomenal looks. I got, you know, the three combined hours of TV time I need. I'm going to head home. And this isn't a prison. Yeah, this is not prison. <laughs> not okay. anymore. No, it's 100%. Um, to my knowledge. Things, oh, please, please go. It's one of the things that I really loved about my reunion season of my precious real world New Orleans uh, homecoming. Yeah. Uh, one of the participants toward the end of the experience was like, this is getting to be too much for me. And I'm yeah. a grown woman in my 40s and I'm going to walk away. And. You know, so especially an all-star season, these people are adults. This isn't their first rodeo. Some of them, it's not even their first all-star sometimes. So and like, may, well, and just on that note, if we can, it's always worth saying, and may Hecate bless Melissa Beck's marriage for the rest of time. Yes. Real queen, that one. Real queen. Uh, and, you know, it's actually so silly and this is so dumb, but hear me out. It's something I was talking about with a friend of mine a couple of days ago. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Before you go on a tangent, Jonah it's about Melissa a... Beck for one second. Just <sighs> Melissa Beck, people like that, larger than life personalities made room for these queens to be as incredible as they are. And a lot of these reality early, TV, yeah, a lot of these early reality people made it cool to be a crazy queen like these so melissa beck you're as far as i'm concerned you're a fame games winner too that'd be mama fully um, agree what i want to say is uh to my knowledge has been there might be more in different uh seasons but we have had two, two at least two other people that did tap out one was a contestant on canada versus the world where they were just like you know what uh, this this really was just too much for them at the time they were like i they came so uh, they came back to the show so close to their original season that they were like, I think I just need to tap out. I, 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 I need to just like focus on myself for a little bit. This might have just been too much. I stretched myself too thin. Uh, and that one was a lot more empathetic, heartfelt. Like everybody, like all the, all the contestants are crying. There's like a prayer circle afterwards of like healing and just making sure everybody's okay. It was like a, it was a very big, like, 
we are taking care of our own here. We are a sisterhood. Um, and then on UK season four, we had somebody tap out uh, again, citing for they want to focus on their mental health. They realized that this is what just wasn't for them. I, and I will say this: if you don't want to be there, you don't have to be there. You you can just say now. I how you do it, whichever way that may be, is going to net you different responses. Um, the two that I cited uh, are fine with production. Currently, I don't know where production stands with Heidi. I just want to point out that two things. Number one, uh, you said there was a prayer circle in Canada. And I just remind everybody that all Canadian prayers are actually written by Gordon Lightfoot. And you should take five minutes a day to be grateful that Gordon Lightfoot wrote us music every day. Number two, I want to say that uh, I feel like you're forgetting the Queen All-Star to queen out super hard. I'm like, you were really mean, girl. It was like personal. Like, you came for me real hard, and I just wanted to sing, because I'm adore Milano cookies. Um, and that's Oh, I did, I did forget Adore Quit. That you did forget so Adore Quit. Yeah, Adore Delano, who I think is, like, I'm a person who cares more about your tonal quality than your vocal ability. Uh, see why I own every piece of music ever by Beth Orton. My copy of Super Pinky Mandy cost me an extraordinary amount of money in the 2000s. So, um... I think Adore Delano has the greatest vocal tonality of maybe anyone to ever be on Drag Race, but goddamn, does Rose and Jan? Is that like a tight race, man? That's some unbelievable. Oh, and, and Courtney Act is an incredible vocalist, and I would be remiss to leave her off the list. I think Adore Drag Race represents. Does all the time. I think Adore represents the type of queen where there is that fear of people just start walking off the show kind of just for whatever like Adore's departure very much gave the impression that she just wasn't having a good time and didn't want to be here which is very different from the picture that Heidi painted that uh, certain other contestants have painted when they felt the need to leave and I think there is a concern about just leaving because you're not having a kiki and uh, I think you sort of paint your own impression then though yes so, like a face like yeah. when Heidi quit, it felt like when somebody's like, you know what, Xavier, I don't agree with your mentality anymore. But when a door quit, it was sort of like when a Robin is like, I don't know. It's like you like background more than me now. RuPaul is a jerk. Um, so I will say I, I just I'm not going to say your optics of how you viewed it and how it came across. That is your thing. I will say from a door's perspective, a well, it was not phrased that way. It was very much, oh, I realize this is, I cannot do this. This is not for me. And yeah, I am the first person to be like, whenever, because I think Jessica, I, I did not know Jessica Wilde or Raja before they're all stars as is. Um, but I maybe think Raja is like one of the most important people to ever be on a reality show. Oh my God, what an unbelievable artist. Um, and, you know, at the same time, Jessica Wilde, another uh, classic performer who I didn't know about till their All-Star season. Uh, something that the two of them offer, I think, in a really unique way is this idea that you can evolve, you can go away, you can come back. And there's a transformative quality to being on an All-Stars where you really are two different performers. You know, there's your original run and your later run. And for me, seeing these two women come back with so much distance 
really highlights when you can see somebody like a Ginger Minge, who in her original All-Stars run, you know, she flat out says, I have not recovered from my season. Um, there's a number of Top Chef seasons where the people literally left production and walk back into the building. Like they literally don't unpack their bags. They were made to wheel their empty bag back and forth because filming was in the same building. And that's the sort of thing that I think a lot of these women really deserved. They deserved a chance to heal. I know that Candy Muse couldn't have been the, the, the damn queen she was this season if she hadn't had a little bit of time to become realized that said i would eat my own foot to watch tamisha be in an all-stars either foot they're not size, gonna happen they're size 13 they're humongous feet you really want to consider this and to uh your point about the olympics um if we were to start doing you know every two years for all-stars the thing i have always said is i would really like to divide it up into uh second chances and yep. the greats returning for their second try uh you know and i you know candy is obviously a great um i think she's really phenomenal and, and you know ginger is too i'm trying to think of who's like the ultimate you know i would say gia g is a really good example of a queen that pheromone these are queens what that... you're gonna do isn't what you, <laughs> you want to do, do isn't what you're gonna what you're gonna, gonna do, gonna do. Um, it's great because you both oh. have noses <laughs> <laughs> i i i think second chances is a really valid show idea and i think it's something that we really want to see i think there are times where putting gia and farah in the same contest as like Trinity and Monet. How did no one ever call her Twinity? <laughs> I like well, because I her. guess I guess nobody was Tweety Bird. Well, I mean, let's be real. Monet is always Monet. Well, uh, Monah Ashawa. Monet really showing off that she could sing, really, truly, because like. You know, uh, every every hot person has an ugly day. You know what I mean? Um, and Monet's original vocal performance. Jonah had tried to sell me. Because, like, those of you who don't know, uh, my secret greatest passion in this world is opera. <laughs> I love opera so much. Uh, it's what I listen to in my car when I'm not on the phone with one of these amazing clowns. Um, so I love opera. And wow. one of the way that... <laughs> One of the way Jonah sold me on this show was there's an opera singer. And uh yeah. <laughs> in his and then it felt like a bit of a psych, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, because God, is he terrible in that first performance? Um, and I say that as somebody who you can Google the survival instinct right now and hear some very bad performances from this guy. And hear some great ones too. I want to do a quick caveat. Monet sounded great in the share musical. Monet's vocals in the Cher musical were yes. very, very good. Very, very strong. Very strong, close to the Cher isms, giving, like, did great in the challenge. And then it all starts for, we all know the talent show. We, we Monet knows the talent show. We don't need to bring it up. I'm sure Bob does it enough for her. And, you know, actually, that's something that, like, I just want to say I romanticize. I, I've recently said that I think uh, some of these queens get a little too much credit just for having been on the show. Um, winning the, you know, currying the favor of a set of producers does not actually make you important. 
Uh, it's what these women do with their time, energy, and uh, influence that makes them so important. And it's like Candy said, they become, you know, so necessary to the coming out experience of so many people. And I think there is a lot to be said for how much attention you get just for being on Drag Race. And uh, it's queens like Bob and Monet who have this beautiful sense of ribbing each other while building each other up that just like it's what I'm here for. I'm here to see these women support each other. And like it was hard to watch Candy Muse know she was going to lose. Um, I want to say the thing I the the thing that said it the best was um, I know this guy who I think is super hot and super brilliant. His name is Tim. And uh, he specifically said candy muse knew she was going to lose because i have to assume she's on the same internet as the rest of us and i thought that was the hottest take ever because it, it she knew she was going to lose and jimbo just believed in candy muse so much that jimbo could believe she could have lost and like yeah that's the love between these two women that's like that every other word out of Jimbo's mouth were, oh, you're so beautiful. You're such an amazing person. I love you so much. You're my best friend. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Like, I am here to watch these women elevate each other. And honestly, I didn't really buy it until I watched them at the Roscoe's viewing party talking over and over again about how they actually are best friends and they really do love each other so I much. I did watch and, that, yeah. You know, talking about how they were in cahoots on some of the drama everything. that they started and yeah everything uh some of the drama that they started and then you know candy uh sort of vi villain editing herself was saying like you know because she didn't technically say something <laughs> the she way but she says she felt confident saying that heidi was lying because how Heidi described what she said was not verbatim what Heidi said. And she felt that was enough to be like stone faced. No, you are lying. Even though obviously oh. the intent was the same, even though separately Jimbo knew, you know, the, the best Queens edit their own drama and build it up and have fun with it. Um, but, you know, Candy also talks a lot in that time about how she knew during production that she wasn't going to win and that she also knew the thing that i said really early on because people were talking about how uh candy should have sent jimbo home because that was her only chance to win and she said could you imagine what america would have thought about me if i had sent jimbo home and you know she put it in a way that I was not even, you know, I wasn't fair enough to give her this, but she's like, the big brown girl sends home Jimbo. There is absolutely that aspect of horrible racism that comes before and after a queen makes a difficult, controversial decision. And I, you know, Candy does some stuff that I find obnoxious watching on the show a lot of the time, and I just sort of wish she would do something different. But I've never once been like, holy shit, she's dumb. She is so yeah. smart and so savvy. And It's because she's smart that I wish she would grow and become better, and you can see that she has the potential. Yeah. She is a woman of color. She works 80 times harder than any white person. Exactly. For and the same amount of respect. And she doesn't get it still because she's a drag queen. So the fact that Candy is a, a minority, that she is a person of color, the fact that people would exploit that instead of celebrate how that makes her stronger than you can believe is the biggest misunderstanding 
of what a person like Candy has gone through to be so strong. And I think she, for understanding what was probably not really going to be a possibility on this show, you know, towards the end of it, realizing that she was not super likely to win, she gave herself the closest thing to a win she could. I think career-wise, brand-wise, this was a big leap forward for her, if not, you know, taking the crown on the show. Kamala oh. Harris is still vice president. Truly, 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 truly. Candy is one of those people that doesn't have a crown, but is a winner. Yes. There are there are a Alyssa. good handful Katya. of Katya. Katya is, I think, the number one example of a queen who is has not won the crown of drag race, but is an absolute winner in yeah. every sense of the imagination. I'm going to put somebody on that list that I don't have the right to put on that list, but Gottmik. I mean... Gottmik, yeah. <laughs> breaking down barriers whenever i say these girls these girls i still always want even though she, even though he has given me permission i still want to be like and fucking cool hot boys just because Gottmik did something that changed my no offense like i'm not coming for um oh he's really cute he's straight um oh uh, yeah maddie yeah maddie morphosis maddie, maddie morphosis maddie, yeah. um uh, maddie morphosis really taught me to be a, a more tolerant person. I'm glad because I really wanted to kick his fucking straight ass off this show so goddamn hard. You have no idea how hard it is for queer kids. Why are you taking their space? Get away. But like, oh my God, how hard must it be to not be queer but run in queer spaces? Oh my God. The only reason we get along is we fuck each other. What are you gonna do? So, uh, Maddie Morphosis, I I'm so sorry for every mean thing I ever said about anything, but your final look, which is garbage. Um, but everything else about you, uh, you got Mick heroes, actual heroes. Thank you. Oh, Perhaps tell it to me straight as a dynamite uh, YouTube. Show. Yes, one day if we ever do a cross, cross promotion, I would love to do. Give it Little to me straight. It is yes, Maddie Morphosis, the Sean Evans of the drag world, literally literal. I recommend after you watch this, go yeah. watch. Give it to me straight. Yeah, and it, it is really what an expert interviewer. Well, if I can be the Johnny Sins of the random cam world, then anybody can be the anything. So, and are we now at the midway point that I can get on my soapbox? Yeah, you know what? Please soapbox away. I'm going to step away for one moment. So we're going to put uh, as he is my my mini me in every way that matters. We're going to put Jonah in the Nico seat for a minute, and uh, you, sir. Take the floor. Is this my camera? Okay. Listen to me. I hated those songs with a burning passion. And RuPaul, RuPaul had the cheek, the nerve, the gall, the audacity, and the gumption to walk in there and say to their faces, we wrote these songs specifically for you. That was the one of the biggest bold-faced lies that have ever been said on camera, edited for everybody else to see on Drag Race. Those songs were beyond generic, were not good, and had nothing to do with the brand of either Candy or Jimbo. You cannot sit here and pretend that these songs were written for them when we've literally seen how they do songs for people and their branding. Season 7, 8, 14, and 15 all have specific songs that the queens, some of them got to actually have their hand in for season 14 and 15 they did, 7 and 8 they did not in hand in making so they can have a brandable song for them to promote and use outside of the finale no 
those songs were bad. I, 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 you know, Leland usually does an amazing job of different songs, mixing the girls, helping them get vocally right. These were not it. These were absolutely generic songs that for some challenge for something that they threw out and were like, hey, we could reuse this for this finale because we got a comedy queen and we got a bitchy queen. That works, right? No. I feel so bad for Candy and Jimbo because those songs were horrendous. And I, I if I'm on Drag Race and I'm being told, hey, we have this song that we wrote just for you and that's what I got, I'm pulling a Heidi and I'm leaving. Yep. I remember being born is the worst song ever. And I say that as somebody who wants to like marry Jimbo's artistry. And um, you know what? Bitch pay me in money is just not inspired. Agreed across the board. This was just like Leland had some songs left over from another musical. And one was weird enough for Jimbo and one was cunt enough for Candy. Yeah, I mean, that's ex- it felt like it's, it was either that or they have a song bank that, like, there are hashtags attached to each one. Like, this is, oh, like, from the weird song bank. Oh, like mine. And-, <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. I actually, I don't think I remember Being Born is a bad song at all. I think there are, like, a dozen contexts I can think up off the top of my head. You know what? If and- it was a Meatloaf Jim Steinem number. Exactly. Like, Jim Steinem, like, the greatest songwriter of the generation. 100%. And there are musicals where that could be a thing if it was, like... Like the Jim Steinem, um, like Celine Dion musical, you know, like th- that musical so would change my like, life. This, this is fine. This could absolutely work. Pay me in money, all, like, is almost worse. Even though I think Candy fared better than Jimbo, uh, it's yes. worse because it's not. Um, pay me in money doesn't even make sense. Like, it's not even cunty. It's literally just how commerce works. Uh, <laughs> it's mercantilism, idiot. <laughs> Capitalism. Uh, there's no joke in there. Like literally, like what else? Nobody asked to be paid in anything else. Like, bitch, better have some pies for me to eat. No, this is money. It's all... so. Um, you know, I, I, I. They either song musically was completely fine. Lyrically, there's some nonsense there. But you can dream up a drag race context in which either of them would be fine because nobody would have ever said to somebody else, "This is your finale song," and is us saying it encapsulates you. And I think it also would have been fine if they had said, if they had said, like, "You're gonna do a lip sync for the finale, but the song is just a song." You know, it's it's whatever it is that they made this big deal out of it is really where they went completely off the rails and what a bummer um also because because it was just a top two and in that that put so much pressure on whatever the top two are doing that it wasn't something really special uh, i guess if i can i I hear what you're saying and i think what i'm trying to say is if your song isn't 40 inches don't say <laughs> yeah it's 40 inches because i appreciate 40 your pointing... songs we can whip out and prove you're completely wrong uh, i appreciate you pointing to the fact that they made a bigger deal out of it than it was exactly not yeah. just the songs were kind of lame it's they tried to make <laughs> it seem like the songs were gonna be big deals yeah. and they weren't if you'd just been like and hey, we got a song move along don't tell me it's going to be a Genesis reunion if it's just Phil Collins, because Phil don't Collins is feel, so cool, but... Don't make me feel like it's going to be Goddess when it's not. If they were like, and for your challenge this week, you're going to perform two original songs That's and awesome. left it at that, yep. nobody would say anything, nope. nobody would care. Nope. 
but you made the big enough stink and the distinction to tell America, America, you're listening. And Canada, because you know Canada was dick wet over this. Yes. America and Canada. You're you're telling Brooklyn and I think, I don't know where. Montreal. Montreal. Just go with Montreal. Toronto. Probably Toronto. (laughs) Baloney. You you told all of us that these were made specifically for them. I work reasonable hours and very polite and have socialized medicine. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a reference and TK will have this. Number third of the voting, I could not believe. When you get to All Stars One, you have to watch the Untucked. Oh no, don't worry, we're gonna make sure they well, do. So we're at a wrap up point on on Drag Race, but what I really want to say, <clears throat> one month before uh, season fifteen began. Jonah and TK were like, will you please just watch one episode of season five? And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And I remember what happened. I saw Alaska walk into the room and I let out a howl and I literally screamed. I get it. I get her. I would walk in with a horse mask and just start shaking my dick too. So... I I can remember, dude. It was like discovering Tori Amos. It was like it was like it was like going through puberty, really. Um, and then each season gave me something different to love. Not always more, because you know there's always season eight. But like, there's also season nine, and there's also season fourteen and fifteen. Um, I'm so grateful to these two men for showing me that I needed to be woman enough to watch this and have such a good time. And like, it's changed my life. Like uh, I write cabaret numbers in general, but like I'm doing a lot more of it coming up soon. Uh, Some rather well-regarded Queens, like maybe one of the most award-winning Queens from Maryland is going to be working with us at a pretty major convention that we can't wait to announce the uh, event later this episode. And, uh, I could not be this cool a guy for however cool I am, whether it's 1%, 6%, or, you know, I'm a suburbs 10. Uh, I could not be this guy if it weren't for the incredible gift of Drag Race and getting to see Lala Ree, who I fell in love with only two months ago, but feel like I've loved her since I'm 13, and getting to root for women like Sasha Colby and the breathtaking, uh, <laughs> the breathtaking of um the just incredible win that Jimbo went through. I find myself so excited for the future of this franchise that has made so much room for me and showed me how to make room for others. And I, I just want to thank you guys. I couldn't be more Cheers. happy. Three Cheers. winners that I wanted. So guys, how does it feel? Uh, I'd like to go down the line and finish with another another newbie like me. Uh, how did it feel watching season eight and maybe a little bit personally, you know, maybe a little bit with your with your meatball and with your with your with your big guy, you know? I don't know. <sighs> yeah, this was a uniquely special one for me um, because there have been very few seasons that I have watched, uh, with a group like this. Um, I had some very close friends that introduced me to drag race as well. And we would have really fun drag race parties. And then they moved away and we didn't do that so much. And, uh, I do think drag race is, uh, best enjoyed 
with close friends and family and maybe not the drag race fandom who is an insane group of toxic people <laughs> um drag race is one of the things that as it scales out things get kind of wild but when it's you and your close friends and you can sort of talk about what you love about this show that's really beautiful yeah because um, if you click on the drag race hashtags you get toxic shock syndrome that is exactly what happens. It's a scientific fact, and I don't need that. Uh, but I do, you know, and I, my other rule is, like, I've never gotten online and said even something critical about a queen, even something valid but critical. I don't talk about them negatively in any capacity online. Um, what about this show? Oh, I meant, like, on social media. Not, like, targetedly. Yeah, I meant, like, on social media. Yeah, no, no. You never, you never pull an Alexis Michelle. I never at no. anybody and go, like, she looked busted. I, I occasionally will say, like, that queen was amazing. Um, and that's all because it is just sort of way too wild otherwise. I think if you want to do something like this and have a conversation with people, that's really fun. And I think it's totally fine amongst your family to say something absolutely horrible rotted gutted and awful about one of the queens and never let it leave the confines of your family because we all do stuff like that it's fine when it's just between the ones that you love and so like having a group um you know all my guys all my family to watch this with including my partner jake who's just in the other room hey jake um, we love you we love him. hey jake um but it's been very very special to have this group and especially for what feels like um a really distinct new phase for the show in seasons 15 of the regular and season eight of all stars um just been really fun it's been a real honor and i thank you guys so much for doing it with me we had a very loving moment going on right now. Very, very, very beautiful. And all I think you can see in this image is the couch behind Jimbo looking like she has hordes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, also, Mrs. Kasha Davis, baby, looking uh, incredible, representing the older community. Uh, Kevo's mom was uh, an amazing lady. Uh, but goddamn, did she love reality TV as much as the rest of us sinners? And she loved The Bachelor, and that they just announced the Golden Bachelor, oh Bachelor, my God, she but for old people, it, it would have oh, been. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it was like, like an 70. anniversary thing. Wow. Okay. No, he's an older. Yeah. So I mean, unfortunately, like I'm gonna think he's way hot. Right. Unfortunately, because oh my God, all yo. the women are age appropriate, right? Yeah, they're okay. they're closer at least. So um they're within the same percentage range as the regular show. So uh, I just think Mrs. Kasha Davis, Darian Lake, you know what? You're still fucking beautiful at 45. You're still beautiful at 50. You're still beautiful at 60. You're Way beauty to go, olds. Kind of, yeah. I'm 37, and I really want to hear that I'm fucking stunning at 70. So I'm going to start giving it up to 45 right now. I mean, look at RuPaul. RuPaul in her 60s, still stunting on everybody, still prancing around showing this is how it's done. She gave us a whole number and everything. We don't talk about RuPaul's numbers enough of how excited I get over them. <laughs> so, my, my peanut butter, tell me, how did you feel about watching this season with us? Oh, my favorite thing is I love when something funny happens. I... I I just like looking over, engaging your guys' reaction, being like, oh, okay, they are enjoying it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. 
it's all good. They're they're having a good time. It's one of those things where I am too close to Drag Race <laughs> in the sense of if you're not enjoying it, I'm not going to be enjoying it because I'm always going to enjoy Drag Race. Even when the seasons aren't the best seasons in the entire world, I'm still going to enjoy it. 13. Um, yeah, 13 was fine. I... I, I love Simone too much. Oh, I love Simone, Simone too much, and I want to be friends with Simone. That's the only reason I can't shit talk 13. I want to be friends with Simone. I, I, there I said it. <laughs> no parasocial relationship, I just want to be friends with Simone. Um, but I I just like getting to share this part of my world with, you know, everybody. Not, not even specifically YouTube, but having someone like TK who I can talk to about it like, oh, he already knows everything. I can just, I can, he gets it. Love Pink. Love Pink. Um, I gotta go. I just, area. I just, I'm just very happy that you guys have taken to it, and I just like seeing how you guys react to it, who you guys love, how you your perceptions differ from my perceptions, how on rewatch things look different than somebody who has their fresh pair of eyes on it. Um, it's really special and fun. Uh, yeah, you know, and I just, I, I think it needs to go without saying, uh, Nisha, if you ever find yourself single. I will show you the most incredible time. Baby, call me. You're beautiful. I just needed to get that in before I forgot because I just saw her beautiful face. Uh, Jonah, everything you said, very important. Oh, my God. What a stunning man. We, uh, we and talk woman. about how the opposite of what Jonah said and like what ha, watching Drag Race and seeing you guys love it so much is the most amazing thing in the world. And when you both did not gag for the rose petals moment, I don't think either of us has ever been more heartbreaking in the history okay, of knowing you. But, but Kevo made a very, very good point, and it's I, I had to take full I take full responsibility for this, but not in the Alexis Michelle way, where I actually take full responsibility of this, where we showed them season five and then immediately showed them season nine, where we saw the first wig reveal and that being a very big moment to the rose petal reveal. True. Not that I don't think you can do that, but it is a, oh, we all, we, you're kind of getting it back to back. Yeah, and I, if they watched it in order, I think it would have been. Yeah. So I have a very problematic relationship with pushy Latin women and nothing makes me uh, uh, nothing makes me problematic like Valentina, the most beautiful, perfect woman to ever be alive. But I think she also might be Satan. So for me, the and like I'm someone who has said that bang on Desperate Housewives is the greatest moment of television, the most extreme I've ever screamed watching a piece of television. I was in the physical room with these two when I watched Mask Gate for the first time I kind of make up for <laughs> I leapt into the air I I've never enjoyed a piece of television more than I'd like to keep it on please I I truly don't believe there is any I I don't know that television as an art will ever please me the I, way the fall of Valentine I is. also want to point out I love her that um she's my pin tweet <laughs> have a complicated relationship with pushy, with pushy thick latin boys and so you seeing the wig reveal first oh my god that was one of my i i was obsessed yeah. with bus stop From someone who is so your type you and then Roxy. to see it done by moby you were Roxy. a little bit less impressed Kevin, yeah, how dare you roxy is one of the sexiest i'm just saying ever be on tv uh roxy oh. is like roxy is a, a, a 37 i god I would do terribly problematic things for Roxy. And the the cherry on top of season nine of having 
There is no argument. I might even say argumentatively. Season 9 having the best reunion out of every single reality show 100%. across the world. Hands down. Literally everybody versus Valentina. Every... That is that We quote Shay, that as much as we I quote I just wanted anything. to say. <laughs> but, but the actual, the my actual favorite moment. You didn't it, say JK though. <laughs> the actual best moment in the entire reality history. And I will, I, I will take this to my grave. Is Valentina saying, I love you and respect you, Pheromone. And Pharaoh going. You don't, you don't love, love me. You don't love without missing a beat. So deadpan. Of How like, many times when we were watching season nine did I say, Farrah, shut up? And then Valentina did say, I, 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 "Shut up, Pheromone." But you literally, were so happy for me. I, I, I really was. I was. So, I was like, "You're gonna get your moment." It's your moment. Have it. Uh, but genuinely, fan favorite. I literally shut up, favorite. The, the everybody can testify. I literally think about Pheromone saying, "You don't love me." At least once a day. At least once a day, I think about, "You don't love me." I genuinely think about, "I'd like to keep it." I literally, my pinned tweet is, "I think about, I'd like to keep it on, please, eight times a day." It is literally my <laughs> pinned tweet. I, Valentina changed my life. She made me a braver man, really, because God, it must be hard to be her. Seriously. So many people must look at her like she's a fucking alien. And well, she is. Anyway. I look at her like she's Piper Parabo's character and slap her she's French because that's what she looks like in her interviews. And I wanted to slap Piper when she said all those fool things about the Charmed remake. So, Kevo, um, you have been my my partner in all of this. You have been my my dance partner. It has been uh, you and me going through every round of Drag Race together, and it has been my honor and privilege. And I'd love to know your thoughts as we close out uh, All-Star Season 8 for what might be the last time, because it's not a seven. We're not going to be talking about it forever. Yeah. Did someone say thoughts? Oh, God, yes. Every one of those thoughts. Smooth brain, um, no thoughts. Smooth brain, no thoughts. Um, also, I don't know if anyone caught it. I clicked her by accident before. But did everyone catch the giant Rue Easter egg that I placed in here? Oh, yes. I've been wondering how long it was there. It's just today. It's her you but it's her you butt work license plate. So you know I love it, and I had to represent that with a twenty-five foot Rue. Ah, uh, you know I'm sad. I don't know what we are going to do. We have been binging so much of this program that when you were like. Maybe we start watching the foreign ones. I was like, no, you're just going to have to put it on because we're not going to be able to think of something to replace this with for a little while. Uh, I am really glad to feel at a comfortable and competent place with this franchise. I'm really happy for how much enjoyment that we've gotten from it. And, you know, just so excited to now be a fan. And in our own way, more specifically, I'm glad for the things that we have added to the show through it. And I am excited for us to be at a much steadier place for the new season when it comes to be able to cover Sweet 16 and All Stars 9, nine inches or nothing. Uh, yeah, it's just been a real good time. Well, nine inches or nothing, that's a, that's a, yeah, Cheers. that sounds like half of these girls. So um, let's uh, let's let's play these beautiful women out. And Jonah, do you have a minute to stick with us and talk about uh, 
a show that I think makes no sense. Um, that I can't stop watching and I'm obsessed with it. You know, I I just want to say my name is Nico and I've invented a biodegradable K cup. And what's going to prove that my biodegradable K cup is going to be a great product? Why being forced to throw axes and then drive a Hummer through the desert. Um, okay. Gordon Network. Gordon Network. Gordon sure. Network. Gordon Network. Gordon Ramsay's Food Stars is actually as close to Drag Race as I've seen a ridiculous competition show be in a while. Okay. Um, and I love having Splatoon playing because, yeah, add a little Splatoon in there. Team versus team, they get reassigned. Jonah, I don't know how long you got, but you watched seven of these in two days with us. Uh, we did. And this show, this show is wild. Wild. And I'm, because it's, this is not a cooking competition show. I, I If you're going wow. to watch this, it is, that's not what it is. They're not looking for the best chef of some kind or whatever. Majority of the people that were cast on the show are not chefs. No. Uh, they are people who have some form of a food company. And this is essentially Gordon Ramsay's Shark Tank, but he's all making you compete and dance for him. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's not that Gordon himself didn't set the bar for this in the first episode by his introduction being him needlessly jumping out of a helicopter into the ocean to go greet the contestants on the beach. Why did he do this? We still don't know. I bet he could have invested another 100000 if they hadn't rented the helicopter, hadn't gotten the license, hadn't gotten the approval, hadn't taken the time to do the multiple shots, done the insurance. mastering, the editing, the insurance, hadn't had stunt people ready, hadn't had emergency techs on set. They could have given these people and probably another 100000 We thought it was weird, but goddamn if that has not set the tone for the entire show. Truly. Very much so. Um, this show... Gordon's asking for a weird set of criteria and a weird set of skills. The whole, I think we should say what the premise is, Gordon invited these people and these he's, entrepreneurs, these entrepreneurs, business entrepreneurs, yeah, that he's going to invest a quarter of a million dollars into their business based off of how well their business sense is in these challenges He's having them do a wide variety of things, but uh, similar to when Drag Race does challenges of things that queens aren't necessarily going to do in the real world, <laughs> he asks them to do weird things that don't often align with what they actually have in business and what they're kind of, I don't want to say there to do, but you know one person okay one contestant has a delivery food app that's also uh recipes so like you can see these recipes and then you should be able to order the those ingredients off of that w app what is he doing in this beach episode where they're running a shack or 
making a wine? It's... I get what he's asking, but it's bizarre. It's bizarre. I... For me, um, I didn't watch it all with you guys. I watched it on my own time. And when I first started it, I was immediately like, for one thing, the jumping out of the helicopter was just insane. And then the first thing he has them do is uh, go down to the beach and talk to a bunch of people who run food trucks. Uh, This is like the market research section of it. So two things here. One, he goes, I want you to talk to the people who run these food trucks because these are like the experts. And as somebody who lives in a food truck town who sees that the majority of the trucks that I see one summer are not the majority of trucks I see the next summer. This is not like there's no guarantee that any of these people are experts. They are just the people that are parked there on that particular day. You know, he has nothing to say about any of the trucks and what their what their criteria are, how long they've been there. Uh, you know, we also watch um, the great food truck race on this show and you know, so I've, I've got a lot to think about when it comes to food trucks. And when they have this moment where he sends them to talk to these experts who really might just be winging it and about to, like, fold and lose their truck. And then the first talking head they have is a woman who runs a food truck that is doing six-figure business every year. And... It's just this moment of really weird cognitive production dissonance where I'm looking at it going, so you sent this woman who is here because she is running a successful food truck to talk to people running potentially not successful (laughs) food trucks. What is this show? What makes it even weirder is none of these people here have a food truck. The advice... I just want to say, a very famous food truck showed up uh line yes. truck multiple winner of the great food truck race but only two-time winner that's even the thing is for because we have that perspective of having watched great food truck race and we know that they are a successful food truck that is still running a successful food truck industry we are more aware that even though gordon is acting like these are just some random food trucks they're in the know probably did make sure to contract incredibly successful food trucks. It's but Dan! It's, level, it's this level of artifice where he's pretending like they're just any random food trucks. And we know Dan. We know that they're successful. It's not like he just took a random sampling, probably. But he's acting in this production way that is incongruous to the reality. And it's just not necessary more than anything else. Just tell us the truth. And I also want to reiterate, majority of the people here are not chefs. Some of them are. Some of them actual are actual chefs that have part of their business is their kitchen. It's not just their restaurant they're trying to be involved that they do, whatever it may be. Um, but uh, so many of these cooking challenges, it's like, also everything is a team challenge, which it might seem weird, but it actually makes sense because you're going to be work. Gordon's going to be your partner Business in partner, yeah. the challenge of the world um so it, it, it makes sense i i need to give a very specific shout out to the person who's at least making this entertaining uh caroline, caroline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
on this show. Because half she the is time, my number one, baby. Half the time, there, I should know, a quarter of the time, I'm like, I'm with Caroline. People, it's usually Lan. Lan's like, I just kind of acting in a way that I don't appreciate. I get why Caroline is frustrated. I appreciate that she's standing up for herself. The other half of the time, I'm like, what are you even talking about? What You're literally going off for you? no reason. When there is a competitor who gets sick the day that they are meant to do a presentation for something. And someone says, I'm ready to step up. I'm ready, I'm to, ready to step up and anyone. do this if need be. And Caroline says, Elisa. Elisa says, right. I, no, 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 um, Megan. Okay. And oh, she's yeah, like, yeah. how are we, like, who's, I'll, I'll be prepared to take her spot if she Me can't Megan perform. literally says, you know, if, and the contestant is Sydney. Sydney, if Sydney's not feeling well one episode. And so, uh, she has Crohn's disease, which, respect yeah. to you, girl. Yeah, as someone um, who has Crohn's, like, I have the most absolute respect for you she had uh, she had a flare-up and it, it seemed like it was a really bad day for her and i at least i appreciate they were like you can't compete anymore because a drag race they would have sent you home uh drag race they take you out back um but megan megan says when sydney's going talking with medical and might not be there might not be able to present megan says you know if need be i can step up and do the presentation i think i know what i think i can help with the brand and do all this caroline goes wow that was really disrespectful of you like you're like gleeful and more like jump at this opportunity to be in the she presentation keeps going on and on oh, about that. how megan is focusing too much on the competition and on winning and our teammate is sick and you're not worried and we're watching this like it's just not a good game look show if and then like it was really such an emergency Production would shut down and tell you you're not competing, but you're clearly still going to have to go, and your teammate is just trying to think of, we have to still present, we need to be thinking about the competition, and Caroline makes it about this sneaky ulterior intention. It's just bizarre. But the other thing is, right off the bat, Caroline gives very much the vibe of, I come from this Italian family, I'm sick of pizza. Like, it's very much I was much friends like... with Paris Hilton. Well, my, yeah, that's just to say, mind you, Caroline <laughs> was friends with Paris and Kim way back right. in their big media days. Yep. I bet she knows Adore. She, yeah, probably. Um, she very much gives the vibe very early on that she is here partially for her brand and to do reality TV stuff on this show. This show is not like, this is an unserious show. Like it, it wants it's you nuts. to think it might be about the, the food industry and like, it might be shark tank. Uh, it's not. Hold on though. One thing needs to be said that this show has that only one other show has ever had in the whole world. And when it happened, Jonah and I just about came in each other. The greatest television chef winner ever, Piet. Winner uh, of Next Level Chef is in one. an episode. And it's one of those things where Gordon Ramsay talks a lot about how once you're in the Gordon world, mm -hmm. he will literally never let you out as long as you never do him wrong. I'm lucky enough to have a friend who is in that world, has competed on several seasons of Gordon's shows, and has been shown that sort of affection and respect, and actually says that is who Gordon is. And, like, I'm inclined to believe every celebrity is a piece of shit. Um, I've met enough of them who are so nice, and I can still <laughs> shit. But I would just assume that, like, a, a near billionaire from his art 
would maybe be he is kind of the Barbra Streisand of, of food in a lot of ways. Gordon Ramsay redefined the rules on celebrity chef, bringing old school to the modern. To see him have respect for a Native American woman like Piet, Native American women statistically are the most disrespected people in our nation on paper. And she won and she is celebrated. And this man does that. And that's that actually made this show a little bit more special to me. And to be fair, it's not a mutually exclusive thing. He could still absolutely be a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the multiple benefits of uh, having a contestant win who is native. And the other thing is, of uh, you know, continuing to work with already vetted assets makes life so much easier for him. If he can pull somebody into the Gordon world and know they passed the original background check, why would you go get a new person for the yep. next show when you can... And none of that is to say that any of these people aren't deserving and aren't good, just that they can be all of those things and Gordon can recognize that he can make money off of them being those things. And that's okay. I do want to make a couple of points here. Chris is Dilf next door hot and he's like, I'm five, four. My wife is six, one. And my 13 year old son is five eleven. I'm the smallest person in my house. So I have the biggest personality. Nothing's hotter than when somebody's like, I'm just going to get it out of the way. You're going to judge me for this thing. That's your problem. Not mine. He's so strong in that, in that confidence. While not everybody on this list is still there. A number of them gave incredible performances in their time. And I'm very sad that Tony seems like a very nice man, but absolutely every image of them, uh, every image of him they use makes him seem like he masturbates in his truck. And I... He looks I, like Errol from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, yeah, he looks like... Oh, I will say, the, the second episode is them doing a fundraiser and they all have to play bartenders and make cocktail, like things and i was like this is just party down this is literally just party, party down. down yeah yeah uh, queen is a oh i'm so sorry you can't what you no, were saying you can't. what's his name ken marino down and marry me ken marino very ken marino queen is a muslim woman of color who is uh queer and you know whether or not you know she makes it an incredible far way through the series ultimately because the series isn't done yet uh no matter what there's not enough queer women of color on television so God bless that. You know what I mean? Or, you know, in this case, I want to be respectful. I'm not being silly. But whatever a person celebrates, bless that. Because that's kind of something that we don't talk enough about, especially in a fucking Sound of Freedom uh, era. We're not talking enough about other sort of perspectives. Um, and this show actually sought to create something very different. And if I didn't say that Luther is a dreamboat... I would be making a humongous mistake because that's a very handsome man. Um, I also, also want to Jake. Quickly... Oh. Jake, who's little. Um, I can say that because I have a gay friend. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I have at least two. I have at least three, even. Um, pan, watch yourself. Hi, watch yourself. Wait, no, I'm watch yourself now. So, hi, I'm watch yourself. Um, watch yourself, what happens? Something, like? the... The challenges are whatever. Uh, oh, actually, no. I, I have three quick things I want to talk about. One, there's also, uh, speaking in the advent of RuPaul's Drag Race season, All-Star Season 8, um, there's also people who leave this competition. 
Uh, weirdly, one person leaves. Oh my god, yeah. Whatever reasons, like, in the middle of the night, like, no goodbye, no nothing. Another contestant on screen, they talk about that he has an emergency. Or, well, I guess I said he, so it's slight spoiler. Uh, he has an emergency and that he needs to leave. Um, his business, it, it like... It has an emergency and he needs to go take care of it and Gordon's like I fully understand that I, I, as a business owner you gotta do what you gotta do that's your child go take care of it but it's like oh I guess everyone's just dropping out of this competition I guess there's just gonna be weeks where everybody just keeps going home dropping like flies very um, weird yeah two there's a very there's an episode where Caroline uh, in the middle of the challenge like whispers to the camera not in a talking head because it's just like really difficult to be on a team with people that I know just don't seem to want me on their team. And it was just so like too aware and too funny. Such reality television syndrome where like you literally can't even wait to get to your talking head interview. You need to have a confessional at this exact moment. Um, That's insane. But we, we haven't talked about, I find the, the best part because it's, like it's the reality TV moment of where the lo- when the losing team loses, Gordon chooses who is safe or who might be up for elimination, sits down with them from across the table like a principal, folds his arm and goes, why were you such a failure this week? Literally like pointing at them and saying everything they did wrong. And then goes, who should go home tonight? Literally just asked. He's like, what was the- why did you fail? Who's responsible for all this? And... To Gordon's credit, will grill people for the actual mistakes that they have made, and doesn't let Gordon lets nothing slide. Everything is be game to be talked about. Everything that you do that can be used against you will be. It is crazy. It's wild. Wild stuff. I ultimately. It's not that I don't find it enjoyable. It is that I keep waiting for it to get serious because I think there is something to the concept. I think there really is something to the idea that there are enough common attributes in the food service world that there is, regardless of specifically what your function is in a food industry business, there are some basic things that you can do to sort of show your awareness and show your interest and show your capability. Like Renaissance man skills. Yeah. Yeah, to be a well-rounded person in food service. Um, and this show just isn't that. It is just kind of a wild uh, bunch of uh, random tasks that really might not have anything to do with something that any of these people will do in their time uh, running a food business. And so that's okay. It makes for very funny TV. It is entertaining. It's just that, like, part of me wants to get the serious version. And not this. And not this. Well, speaking of the serious version, we were supposed to be done with this 45 minutes ago. Yes. So we're running a little behind. But Jonah has hung in for a billion, zillion, kajillion years. And uh, Jonah, it has been such a pleasure celebrating something that we love so much that you brought to our world, Drag Race. And then uh, celebrating something ridiculous that we, you know, watch between uh, late night snacks like Food Stars. 
and um, you know, late night snacks being you because you're so cute. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. As always, the show you're a part of always, right? Whether or not you're here, your presence is always felt. Uh, and I just want to thank you for being on. And uh, please remind the folks where they can find you. And uh, you know what? As your sign off, give me your favorite drag race season. Oh, my God. Um, you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. That's P-E-A-K. Thank you so much for having me. I love getting to talk about this with you guys. You're, you guys are the best. I love hearing your guys' opinions. Uh, favorite season of Drag Race? That is, is such a very difficult question, and it's so loaded. And how could I ever do this? Season six. Season six is the is the one of the most perfect seasons. I get that. It's got my favorite winner, so I can't complain, right? Jonah, as always, we can't wait to have you on again next week or the week after. Whenever you're back, I'm sure it's sooner than we... Oh, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday to talk SDCC news, because uh, we also mm. talk comic books, because we're nerds. So uh, until then, handsome, uh, stay peak, and we'll see you. Bye, guys. Thank you. All right, we're not missing a beat. TK, yeah. you uh, you have a highlight for us this week. Uh, a, a a book? A book, yeah. A book? Again, I, I keep doing this book thing. Uh, reading. Reading is yeah, for reading. reading. Books. Um, I did finish uh, Brandon Sanderson's Yumi and the Nightmare Painter and needed to pick mm. up with a new series. Which, if uh, I can, you shared something really amazing from that podcast series, I believe. Uh, an attached podcast Say again about Final Fantasy X. Oh, that wasn't even a pocket. That's that was like the notes from the end of the oh, wow. The, yeah, that's just him. Uh, that's like the acknowledgments at the end of the book where Brandon Sanderson talks about how this new book is really inspired by um, Final Fantasy X. And if um, you are a Final Fantasy X fan, what you need to do is you need to take five minutes of your life, Google, and then bookmark the Final Fantasy X Kabuki, which will be streaming yes. until October. With English subtitles, what a mistake to miss out on. It's like an hour and a half, but yeah. um, make sure you bookmark it and watch it before it goes offline because it is officially streaming and you could be supporting legitimate Kabuki theater. And uh, if I haven't made it clear that opera is important to me, all sorts of world theater are important to me and Kabuki deserves your time, your energy, and your attention. Uh, so sorry. Please continue. No, Brandon thank you. Anderson. That was awesome. So anyway, I finished You Mean the Nightmare Painter, and I was looking for another audiobook. And for a long time, um, the the recommendation engines have been pushing this book, Sufficiently Advanced Magic, which is, of course, a play on the phrase Sufficiently Advanced Technology that comes from any it's, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, I believe. Any Sufficiently Advanced Technology will look like magic. Um, so this is kind of a yes. play on that. And it is, um, in the best way, the tropiest fantasy book that essentially, uh, you know, there were times at which I uh, was wondering, A, if it was lit RPG, or also if the big reveal in the story might be that it actually was a video game. Uh, and like you are actually following the life of a character in a video game. It's not that. Uh, it is somebody who really appreciates the conventions of fantasy video games, uh, tabletop RPGs, uh, similar to Brandon Sanderson, really is into magic systems and really defining them and making that a big part of the world building. And this is just a story that is one half magical school and one half dungeon crawler. 
and the school teaches you a lot about the mechanics of how magic works in this world and then you go and apply them to a dungeon crawl and uh you know this is not high literature i am not changed forever by the story of these characters but i'm actually really uh moved by the characters and moved by the story and the interpersonal relationships it's really fun uh sufficiently advanced magic is the first of what is currently four books he says that there will probably be six or seven in total uh there are other books in the universe that this takes place in and uh you know he he really talks about how like if you like legend of zelda uh you might like this series and if you like other like common fantasy games or shows or anything you might like this series that he does so he's fully aware that he's like pulling from tropes and he's pulling from genre convention uh and i really love that uh i really appreciate when people are totally upfront about that i don't think there's any shame in it and um this is just entirely an entertaining fantasy series and i'll tell you i also just found out there's a very lovely webcomic uh, that is adapting this first book um, nice. through Tapas uh, webcomics. So mm. uh, all around just great stuff. Highly recommend. And that's what I have to say about that. You know, I love hearing that because as somebody who thinks that, like, you know, oftentimes a lot of the fantasy books that wind up inspiring our favorite writers and comics, movies, TV, and more, as they don't get enough respect, it's just really nice to hear people really pushing those books. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I uh, while I now own all of the books as well, and I kind of read and re-reference and read along, I uh, almost every book that I end up reading, I first listen to as an audiobook. Uh, this is a fantastic audiobook read by an incredible narrator named Nick Podell, who narrates a lot of really awesome fantasy books. So I just want to give a shout out to uh, Nick Podell, an incredible narrator, and the excellent production on this uh, audiobook. Well, that's so wonderful to hear. Yeah. Um, I don't actually have too much of a highlight. Uh, I don't really even want to like get too into it, but I just want to thank the uh, brilliant minds behind the strike right now. And I, I do say the brilliant minds behind the strike because I do mean the people working to ensure the quality of life for artists are doing something very important. Um, I just want to say that I think it's really great that uh, there was a very strong possibility that Broadway was going to strike and they have decided that Broadway is not in a position where it can uh, really financially survive that. And while I don't like that, uh, that is the position that I find Broadway in as a guy that as has been mentioned several times, writes a lot of musical theater. I am relieved to see that they understand that between the wildfires and, uh, you know, COVID not too long ago, uh, not too long ago, a Broadway strike was looming. Um, you know, we have had enough stuff that has hurt the sanctity of theater that it's just really cool to see it doing uh, the right stuff. And uh, I guess that's what happens when the president of SAG-AFTRA is married to a musicals producer. So um, thank you very much, Fran Fine, for uh, being married to Mr. Sheffield and protecting Broadway. Now, uh, you know, I believe we still have a roster of regular programming. I have a highlight. Oh, I was about to say, uh, Kevo, unless you've got a highlight... So, oh, yeah. Kevo, let me know what's uh what's on your list. Actually, and a little bit. Uh, thank you for the setup in talking about musicals. Uh, my highlight was yeah. the absolute banner day that there was yesterday in terms of uh, Star Trek news. 
we got the uh, Star Trek Lower Decks crossover with Strange New Worlds that I've been already watched about it for six months. Um, we got that early, and yet we're still getting a new episode this Thursday. Yes. We got the uh, season four announcement for Lower Decks being September seventh. We got a preview clip from Discovery that was okay. And, uh, but most excitingly, and I genuinely cannot fathom how they were able to keep this a secret, and I think it has everything to do with how much they let all of our focus be on the Lower Decks crossover, that we are getting a Star Trek musical. Look over there. In under two weeks, by two of the songwriters from Letters to Cleo. What's happening? We are a space rock prom queen. We are a space paper magazine. This is some amazing. This is some amazing magic, and that it is the bravest Star Trek in a long time. Not that Discovery isn't brave, but Discovery is brave with things that don't directly affect canon. Strange New Worlds is brave with things that directly affect canon. And that's really, you know, as a guy who wanted to be the one to write the Star Trek musical, fuck you. But um, really grateful to Strange New Worlds for writing the first one so that like the Xena musicals, the second one can be better. Um, I am so, so grateful that this exists at all and that it is existent to celebrate something that means so much to me as a person who loves musicals, as a person who makes musicals, as a person whose life is artistry. I am so grateful that uh, a man like Anson Mount, that uh, a performer like, you know, um, hot, sexy vampire man in the image, that um, any of these people, Paul Wesley, that's it, Wesley and Farms, um, that these incredible actors would step outside themselves and choose to not just be part of star trek which in and of itself becomes a career you don't just have a star trek career star trek is one of your careers you still have to make other art or you will never survive but to be one of these people and to enter the star trek career and to say yeah i'll, I'll sacrifice a little bit more and I'll, I'll make a musical you know nobody makes a musical without taking some singing lessons of course there's a tony award winner's daughter on this stage so it is a little bit saying liza can be in a musical right you know there's a, a sort of inevitability to it when you but, have the talent it's almost begging to be done yeah you know i've been saying strange new worlds is my favorite star trek since the first episode or actually probably since the um short trek with um spock and number one that was like probably that's probably the most defining moment of my star trek fandom and I guess it's because it's the first time I ever saw Spock sing opera. And that for me was just, it's like hard to talk about seeing number one and Spock sing opera together because like, that's one of those things that's so esoteric, the ephemerality. Oh my God. Before he got on a real good cycle, uh, man, they're a cool, cool crew. Just, I don't know. Kevo, you are really right. I'm really glad that was your uh, your highlight because if I hadn't had a highlight, that would be my highlight too. Um, but like I said, Broadway, so proud of you. So happy to see you doing good. Um, and you know what? There couldn't have been a couldn't have been a Star Trek musical without Broadway doing good. So 
And you guys tied everything together really perfectly because this, we heard about all this due to an incredible day of announcements at SDCC. And we will be covering another day of announcements at SDCC on Wednesday. So, Heck yeah. Full circle. Lots to talk about. Yeah. But now let's talk about something that took my breath away. Please. I need to talk about Karasan. Uh Karasan, you know, we've talked a lot on the show about how Karasan made it okay for black women to be on fashion shows. And then uh, every black woman on Project Runway did, too. And that made me feel very seen. And then uh, every black man did. And then I think every white contestant did. And I think it is officially at the point where everybody has just been like, Karasan invented fashion design, right? Like, sometimes when people are like, you know, RuPaul invented drag, right? Like, that's kind of how they talk about Karasan sometimes. While this episode sucked because it was one of maybe six episodes in the franchise history to not include Nina Garcia. And evidently next yeah. week will be the same. What are you doing to me? Um, for you. That would have actually, you can ask Kebo, that was my out loud concern that she had COVID. And that's why Christian doesn't show up at the I end. I was going to say, because yeah, he Christian's had been there. exposed, maybe. Right. Um, Although seeing, they don't interact. So, but anyway. Seeing uh, Kara, she, I, yeah, I know you never watched season four, but she is so critical of him. It's unbelievable to me that they would be on the same show. She is so critical of him. That doesn't surprise me. It's also like, it's been 20 years. And, she, you know, he is not like in a rude way, but like he's like worth more than almost any fashion designer alive. Right. right. Uh, just seeing Rami and Karasan be in the top um, and Prajay, because like, you know, he represents much later in the timeline. And yes, I agree. His look should have won, but the fact that he didn't have the guy wear the jacket was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I do uh, not agree. Oh, you didn't love his look. Finish your thought and we'll get into it. This was one of the few times that I felt that the top represented actual different eras of the show. Rami being the beginning of the new era, Karasan being the original era, and Prajay being a fine-ass man from the new era. God, he's so handsome. Uh, I could look in his eyes all day. What a handsome man. And I just thought he created like the hippest, coolest, that's what a high school kid would want to wear when they're in college look. It had a lot of things that drew me to it visually. Um, I I did think though that Karasan had the best look and deserved to win. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, this is one another one of those eps where I just sort of felt like I didn't really understand the critiques at all, and I thought they were kind of. Uh, I I just thought we were seeing different things. Um, that they were so hard on Fabio's look. Uh, Shocking, shocking elimination, shocking, really, really shocking elimination. I got what they were saying, um, but like, you know, and it, they even mention that uh, if Nina were here, she would have been really happy to see that he had done something bold. And I sort of wonder, had Nina been there, if he would not have gone home. Uh, and I sort of wonder if Laurence might have gone home. Um, yeah. Because that was not a remarkable look at best. And then on top of it, there's this weird thing where she just puts a corset over this man for no reason. And, um, okay. Just side note. That was one of the most egregious things that we have not seen since early, early, early runway. Yes. 
was that model running siphonate and trend three times a day i clearly I, that was the most beautiful body uh in the ever. history of beautiful bodies in history i mean like i'm friends with a number of really gorgeous bodybuilders and like they would have even been like damn daddy yep. but like they did not need to comment on the quality of the model's musculature in regard to her corset covering it up because she designed the corset before she got the model. Right. The model being, you know, fucking caked out for days and being yoked to death had nothing to do with the quality of her design. The quality of her design lacked some merit in and of itself. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with the fact that this guy could push four plates on each side in his sleep. So, yeah, that they said specifically, like, why did you put the corset over his abs? That my problem was not that the corset was over the best set of abs I've seen in decades, <laughs> but that it just didn't work. That didn't make sense. Having a corset over the abdomen of anybody, anybody. Of any model um, would not have made sense. Uh, so, yeah, um, I really didn't think Fabio's look was the losing look um i i felt like i really understood uh the intent behind project's design and i have to imagine that it's just sort of my untrained eye uh but it felt uh it felt like it looked it looked very arts and craftsy to me and like i could see what he wanted it to be and that was a really good idea, but in the execution, it looked really half done. And that sort of was even supported by the fact that like, he didn't really even have the styling complete. Like the jacket yeah. was just there. Was it supposed to be on or not? Like, what was the point of that? So to me, it just felt like um, not a complete enough look to be that high up in the rankings. Uh, and I find that increasingly I'm just, really not a fan of the way Brandon Maxwell presents himself, presents his critiques and behaves. Uh, the vibe to me is so yeah. much uh, a teacher that is always like disappointed in you. Uh, and it's even like the way that he comes in at the end and says goodbye. Um, hey, Christian can't be here today. So that I was a tough say, one. Go like, home. Bye. Yeah, he like doesn't like you. He, you know, he works in the principal's office and is tired of seeing you there. Uh, but you know, he talks about you when you're not in the room. Yep, but knows that technically he's supposed to be civil to you in, in this moment because he's an adult and you're a child. You know, I know your mom. We go to the same hairdresser. Yeah, um, I'm just getting really tired of the way that he speaks to them and critiques them uh and i'm so not agreeing with it that it makes it even more difficult and i'm also and especially noticing this that, like, episode it was very glaring 100 percent. and i'm also noticing that like uh elaine constantly does this thing where she's like you're in the bottom i loved everything you did but the one mistake that you made is the thing that means that this isn't a good look um yeah it's she... always the achilles tendon of mistakes yes, yes. She keeps giving these critiques that are like, I love what you did. I saw what you were doing. I just wish that she hadn't been wearing black shoes. And that's why this is the worst look I've ever seen. And the problem is it's always this thing that, like, cuts you to the bone. Yeah. Like, when somebody says to me, like, 
you know what? That song you played for me, I really liked it. I maybe got lost in the chorus, but because like the chorus goes on a minute. But that's a really cool song. Thank you for sharing it with me. Just not my favorite. I can take that criticism when somebody's like, "That was a really cool." So-. You know, the the problem is you sound bad. You don't sound good. You suck at it. Bad song. But I really liked that song, man. Like, I actually think Elaine Welteroth is actually one of the best critics on a reality show. But the narrative for her this season is exactly what you've said. Every episode, they've edited her to say, you're great, except this one thing that's 99% of your score. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just a tough watch. It's, uh, you know, I... I do love the heartbreak of the fact that everybody is so good uh, that it has to be a heartbreak every time. Somebody always has to be in the bottom. Um, I don't love that they have not managed to do the drag race thing of, uh, the you know, repeating constantly. This is the Olympics of fashion. You're all amazing. We are just splitting hairs because somebody has to go home. Right. I wish, you know, because... Fabio's look was really good. And I think there was so much merit to it. If they decided that he's the one that has to go, sure. But the way they talk about it is, uh, despite the cognitive dissonance of like Elaine kind of saying it was really amazing. (laughs) Uh, Like in general, the vibe was very much like this wasn't a good look rather than this was a great look. It's just that your contestants did better than you to the degree that you will have to go home. Um, if I if yeah. I could build off your point, Please. I even feel like the contestants themselves are doing a better job of yes. that yeah. than production is with the way that I feel like most of the people who have been eliminated take that moment of elimination to say how grateful they are. Yes. It, it's been very magnanimous uh, losers, but yeah. I really, really, really completely agree. It feels like it has been so long since they've done an all-stars of this franchise and they keep vacillating between is this an all-stars or is it a real season it's a real season but it's an all-stars and you can tell because kevo didn't make this this came like this they're telling you that this is an all-stars season but we're just gonna act like you guys are just regular kids and like your babies and i feel like that even maybe accounts for that meltdown that we had of the contestants i was gonna say that's how you that's why that moment was so weird because they have all been so fantastic the whole time and supportive of each other and they all find nice things to say about each other's looks they so rarely are like that was actually really bad so in this one moment when they are so hard on her it's completely jarring because they're not like that and it feels like these people are the ones that are fumbling the ball, not... 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Um, still, it's always really fascinating and fun to watch. These are people really at the top of their game. Uh, it does feel at this point that we have firmly established this is Karasan's game to lose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they have. And yeah, as and somebody I... who... I've spent 15 years talking about how she's the most fabulous fashion designer of all time so this is just like a victory this is a victory lap for me i i and i hope it's a victory lap for her i really do hope she's the one that wins i hope that you know this feeling kind of similar to jimbo where it's like i'm by episode three you're like i'm pretty sure it's going to be her if nothing else she's absolutely in the top and like that's uh and so you know i don't 
I don't care if I'm not surprised if I get to see. And, you know, again, this uh, that the guest judge today was like uh, to Karasan and Kateau, like, I would not be here if not for you. Uh, it's so important to see uh, women of color in positions of excellence being celebrated in an industry where, you know, historically they have not been. Uh, I, th if that's what we're getting out of this, I don't really need the suspense of who's going <laughs> to um, I would so much just rather the suspense of like, how is she going to wow me next? I love that. You know, this was not a great episode for Project Runway. It was a good episode. Love seeing Karasan win. Uh, again, I really love Rami and Christian's energy. I don't know if it's just like <laughs> as a young man who looked up to older men. God, what a hot fuck. Um, and I can say that because when I was 13 years old, uh, Sandra Bernhardt told me to never change and told me that Cheryl Crow was a hot fuck. So uh, legally, I can say that. Uh, what a hot fuck. Um, and just the way Christian like picks at him, Rami's Christian impression made me horny in a way I can barely describe in human tongue. It is up there. We can look at it again. It is Shay Coulee doing that Valentina impression. You know, Shay. Like Rami doing the fingers for Christian was everything what a hot man and to find out that his origin was that he was an early designer for somebody like Aaliyah talks about what a forward thinker he always was and it's just really great to see a man that I think so much of continuing to thrive and uh sometimes when it's pointed out to me that he's 45 and looks like the uh greek dad diner owner in every you know cw show oh yeah so he's supposed to look vaguely 55 um i just think to myself great it just shows how hard he's worked for his success and um what a what a stunning achievement in getting to come back be so talented be such a success in the eyes of someone who beat you Christian shows this man respect. And that's what makes Christian my hero, makes Rami so cool, makes this show such a success. It's great. I do think they should shift Christian away from the show and get a mentor who is actually an older person uh, that will for sure be older than the contestants. And Christian and Rami should have their own like road trip around the world show because their energy is so bros who probably are fucking in the hotel room every night. They actually tried that. That show was literally existed. It, called, it was called Project Runway on the road with Austin and Santino. And it followed Austin Scarlett and Santino Rice. Right. Austin terrible, Scarlett. Terrible ideas for the... It should be Christian and Robbie. Yeah. Uh, Austin Scarlett until Anya was like the most beloved contestant of all time. Um... And he's pretty great. Yeah, Austin Scarlett's flawless. But, uh, Kevo, did you have any final thoughts on Project Runway before we move on to what is the most un... I don't know. I don't, I don't know what Food Truck is trying to do to my soul, but they're crushing it. Um, I guess just in response to what you were saying, you know, yes, they tried it with Austin Scarlett and Santino, but like 20 years ago. Right. So I really do feel like there is more 
uh, franchise potential in this series. And I think that it really speaks to, you know, it's it's a lot like what we're saying about Drag Race and All-Stars as well, about how there's so much more you can do by splitting it out and forking out the content into a lot of different things. And I, I agree with what you're saying about wanting an older mentor for the All-Stars. I really like Christian on the main event. And I really feel like because he has so much seniority over most contestants that they would have on new seasons of Project Runway, he does still work for that. But um, he can't really mentor people from seasons that are older than his own. Right. That's just weird. And it's no. I'm enjoying the energy of this season and the way that he gets along with everyone. And it's fun. But you're really, really so right that it, it it's not an actual mentor. He really is more like a host. Yeah, I was going to say, he's uh, the host, which is fine. But they kind of need an actual mentor. And everything about this week's episode, Nina not showing up and then him disappearing, really highlighted how uh, floundering it feels without having sort of a leader. There's no real leader. And yeah. that's so strange. Well, you know, from a show that has no leader to a show that is defined by its leader, I don't know why it's not just called Tyler Florence gets his giant ass in a food truck. But Tyler Florence's giant ass is like one of the greatest things about television. Uh, when Tyler Florence started, he was like this twinky little guy. And this is actually part of the story. Um, he was like a he was like a skinny little man. He was like trying to be a fit chef. I wouldn't say he ever cooked healthy. He was always like, oh, fucking put butter on it. But, like, he was kind of a little bit more healthy, fit physically. Now he looks like a man who knows how to eat, doesn't look unhealthy. I don't think when I look at Tyler Florence, I'm like, that's a man who has me worried. That's my 600-pound life. No, he looks like a man who fits in with the identity of the common American physicality. And when Tyler Florence loves food, he literally falls to his knees and says, oh, my God. There's actually in this episode, he fell to his knees at okay, one point. He physically fell to his knees to say how good the food was. That's what makes the great food truck road race wonderful. It's about people who love food, loving food in any form. What does not make the great food truck race wonderful is drama. And I cannot stand the Kana truck right now. I don't know save if they were the like drama this. from Kana. Yeah, save the drama from Michelle O'Connor because this is not this is not Carilla. Okay, if you've watched the show since season two, you get the reference. This is not Carilla. We don't do this. We don't cheat and fuck people over to win. That is not great food truck race. You can take that shit and you can put it on Survivor. But this is a show about family, about friendship, about taking care of each other. Community. 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 About pulling up together and finding a city in wherever it is you are. And Kana has sought to be undermining and unpleasant and unfriendly. Every other truck has been cool. Even the Paisani boys, who we were maybe under the impression... Um, would we were concerned. I don't know. Yeah, we thought maybe they would do some gay bashing. I thought they were going to hate Crimea. But it actually turns out they'd be like, hey, you want to jerk it off for me? 
Like, it seems like they're actually pretty cool guys. Do you and... need all our tires? Because we'll give you all of our tires. We'll give you all of our tires. We're strong. We'll carry the truck. Like, they're those guys, and bless that in them. Um, all of the trucks of ethnic food origin, like the uh, Caribbean girls doing tacos. Two or girls. Yeah. Or the uh, the Piracepa, which does Puerto Rican food. Um I don't know, man. They're all such winners. Although, okay, if you have been watching this show since season one, guys, guys, has the coconut wireless ever failed? Ever? Oh, In, my gosh. I've never seen a, a Hawaiian truck go home. Ever. I've never seen a Hawaiian truck go home. They've always won. There's literally never been a finale that featured a Hawaiian seat. Uh, there's never been a season with a Hawaiian truck where that Hawaiian truck I checked was not in the finale. First ever Hawaiian truck not to make it to the finale in 16 years. Five trucks. And I think they they spoke on why that might be. And I think, you know, bringing up the coker and that wireless is, is important because these poor guys got too comfortable. I noticed that they didn't talk about coconut wireless. Yeah, for and, the last two episodes. And Kana didn't talk about that uh, incredibly handsome man that owned that cafe that kept buying from them. Or Kamel Nanjani. Yeah. I wonder if they were all told that's our that's our TV, you can tell, because those are yeah. my limited edition Disney uh, pill boxes. Um, I didn't get a chance to make this fancy yet because I just I've been lazy and I apologize. But I specifically took a Kevin. picture. At one point when they were talking about it and we had a caption paused up to be like, we're not joking. It's something that comes up so frequently. And it really was a shock not only to see them go home, but they didn't mention anything about it in that episode. Uh, and they I mean, they didn't last episode either. I and no. because I went um, I went back when they were in the bottom because I was like, that's so insane. Insane. They're, they're always doing well. And yeah, last episode, they they don't mention Coconut Wireless either. So I would be curious to know if something changed. But yeah, when this one ends, they say specifically as they're going home, like we we got too cocky, we got too arrogant. We thought they would always come to us and we should have gone to them. It's actually this incredibly profound moment uh, that's also happening while they're like, uh, it's bittersweet because like I miss my kids. I want to go home. Uh, and... They clearly made a miscalculation, but you also got the impression that were it not for something of a of a accidental misstep, they they had everything it took to win the competition. And there's no doubt, I think, in anybody's mind. Wow. The the thing it reminds me is that, you know, when we talk about drag race, one of the things we have to talk about is that the person in charge is explicitly and exclusively RuPaul. With Great Food Truck Race, I would love to believe that, you know, this man that I just touted as, you know, uh, a lover of food and a purveyor of great fortune in Tyler Florence. But, you know, the truth is, I I know that it's actually Food Network, which is owned by Discovery, which is now owned by the same parent as DC Comics, which... You're going to hear me say some things on Wednesday and they're not going to be super friendly and they're not going to be super kind about this parent company and Tyler Florence, that beautiful, beautiful fucking man. Look at him. He is not really the person pulling the strings. And those are strings, Pinocchio. 
they are not just giving you an enterprise, a food truck, and a microphone. They're going to make you look like a fucking fool. They're going to play you how they want. You're not a person. You're a character, which is why we're never judging the real person behind the character. Maybe Alexis Michelle, but we're never really judging the real person behind the character. My problem isn't with the people on Kana. It's with the production. It's with the production form of the Kana truck, right? I'm that we don't really talk about very much in terms of the show or haven't really brought up is sort of like the the city of the sex in the city of this show. Yes. Of Tyler Florence's favorite prop is the ledger. The ledger. This show is about the numbers. And it really is. You can't fake whether or not you were successful. You can do things to sort of inflate your success, whether it's finding a good patron or relying on something like the coconut wireless when you can rely on it. But you can't always. And it really always comes down on this show to the numbers and to the ledger. And it's not something like RuPaul, where it is her show. It is not something like Project Runway, where we have to say fashion art is subjective and we have to trust these people who are in this industry. Magazines and things. It's how you physically did. Yep. If you did not, if you happen to not... DeBald guy was a winner four times in a row and two of the hottest men to be on television at any given time if you turned on your tv and then the next week they're in the bottom two and the week after that they go home because they sold the least that's all it was they sold the most four weeks in a row and then the next two weeks they they were among the lowest sellers and then they literally sold the least and that was it that's all she wrote then nobody is judging the quality of the food. Nobody is judging how they run a truck. They just happen to sell the least. And there are a lot of reasons why that can happen. And uh, it does make it such a good illustration of the industry in yeah. that it shows you, you could have what Tyler is saying, the best food this week, but if you can't find a good parking spot, that's the food truck industry. Yep. And that's also why for me, like that first episode of food stars, I'm just like, uh, I feel like we got a better education about this on the, the, you know, 20 minutes of food truck race. So it's weird that you've chosen to go in this direction. Yeah. Sort of the, the last touch I want to add on this show is something that makes drag race one of a kind, uh, compared to just about anything outside of American idol and American idol is sing or don't, but you're born a good singer or you're not. You can go to as much vocal training as you want, but if nobody likes your voice, nobody likes your voice. Candy Muse did a really beautiful job in the Adam Shankman directed because it matters. Adam Shankman directed musical from this season. And um, Candy Muse still sounds like a bulldog having sex with a toaster. And that is never going to change. But God, did she make it sound great? Because even if you have a rough voice, you can work it to where it's good. But American Idol is still about talent. And you could never sound like Candy Muse on American Idol. Just ask Zenjaya. So we get to Food Truck Road Race, where it's about an art you could take anywhere in the country. Like Drag Race. You can perform your drag in any city of the country. And it's more about your personality than your ability. That's not the case with Top Chef. Nobody takes their restaurant on the road. That's not the case with, say, Project Runway. Nobody moves their fashion house for the week. 
food truck road race and drag race are both unique in that they represent moving across the identity of America as part of the search. What represents the needs of the people that can tour, but is more personality than just art. And that's where I'm let down by Kana, but am thrilled by something like a La La Re win in Fame Games. It's more about the personality in things where the people can come to your house. Vaudeville means so much to me because the vaudeville performer was a performer, not just an artist. I need that duality. And outside of food trucks and perhaps drag race, very few shows give me the duality of performer and artistry. And that's what makes this episode special for me. They aren't also models on Project Broadway. Yeah. Truly, truly, which is that one time Bijmi was a model in season 17. Bijmi, one of the most unbelievably talented people on television, uh, that he just keeps giving heart, soul, and talent week after week makes him special. Maybe I have a crush. Hey, Bijmi, call me. Thanks for coming out on TV. All right. We're at the end of an amazing episode, two hours and 28 minutes, talking about some of the best television we have had the opportunity to watch this week. Next week, we have three amazing shows for you. One, two, three amazing shows. We're going to kick things off on Wednesday with a look back at SDCC. I have more opinions than I have change in my pocket. And uh, let's pretend that I'm Scrooge McDuck and I have lots of giant bags in my pocket. That's a lot of change. So um, Wednesday is going to be ballers. It's going to be great. Saturday, we're going to do one of our, as always, deep dives into a single topic before coming back. And we're going to give you guys the best look at the Star Trek Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover that we can, having already had an opportunity to watch it. And I think we'll have watched the musical by then as well. Um, It's just... No, and that's why I'm now debating that Ah. we wanted to wait a week for Star Trek and cover both the musical and the animated the same week. You know what? Okay. So we'll think about it. You know what? Then I'll say this much to this guy. Uh, If you will move Star Trek one week, I would love to add uh, the creator of Cowboy Bebop's new anime to our lineup. Dude, that thing looks so creepy. What the fuck is that? Okay. Uh, yeah, let's let's discuss. But I'm definitely down because I would love to get like a full Star Trek Uzumaki. In. What's that? It's called Uzumaki, right? The new I one. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, it looks so good. I watched the trailer. It's fucking terrifying. Okay, so next week, next week, so two weeks from now, we're gonna do Star Trek. We're gonna figure out both parts of next week. It's gonna be real hot. Um. I mean, that's why I have the board the way it is. You know, this is just an eclectic collection of our interests and topics we're going to be covering and uh, just know who we are and know what you're coming back to. It's us. And we love to talk about geek stuff. I might have an original blueprint from W.E.D. from uh, the W.W. the W.D.W. version of the Haunted Mansion. I might have an original blueprint like on actual blueprint paper. For the Haunted Mansion. So this might be a damn near religious experience for me. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the world changed in 1969 when the dead came alive in 99. Happy Haunts took place in, uh, took their place in California and changed the world forever with what is the most identifiable version of the scary haunted house ever. It would transform five times across seven theme parks and 60 years to be the most perfect scary story ever told. Every one of our houses is haunted, and it's just what the wallpaper tells you that day. So, um, 
there is very little in this world that makes me smile like haunted mansion does it is it is the most perfect it is the most perfect attraction in the history of dark rides and i have a lot of opinions on the nature of dark rides and we'll get into that someday but uh for those of you who don't have anything to do this friday i beg you if you want to make one very nice i'll flex for you on camera uh muscle bear <laughs> very happy go out and support this movie give it every dime you've got um please go out and buy the toys buy the soundtrack buy the posters uh do everything you can to make sure that this movie is the hit it needs to be deserves to be um you know i never believed that they would actually do this movie after guillermo del toro walked away uh, of course you know the most unbelievably respected horror director of his generation and uh that they still made it anyway when it looked like they wouldn't is one of the greatest gifts of my life you know i think about ron howard and the 1969 saurian song from haunted mansion and uh, i think about the the little boy who did a voice pretending to be pretty scared in a recording studio and i think about 2023's haunted mansion and just how grateful i am for what is easily the most influential scary story i've ever known and uh yeah guys friday you gotta go see it please i don't usually ask but please go catch a, a, a midday showing of this and uh give it the money it needs to make sure people of color get to keep shaping the nature of films that have uh long used their likeness so cool stuff okay enough of that uh, please go support Haunted Mansion. Uh, Xavier Estacio and Buddy Baker wrote the greatest piece of music ever with Grim Grinning Ghosts. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about Star Trek, though. <laughs> Having gotten to watch that Lower Decks crossover episode, I I think they need to come up with some sort of Emmy for Best Mixed Media because there is something that is mixed media every season. It, there's nothing. There's no season of television that doesn't try to blend art. And even if there's only one thing give it its due for being breathtaking. And this season of Strange New Worlds pushes boundaries, takes no prisoners, and Anson Mount um, easily could have uh, been a gay porn star. And so we should just be grateful that this is a world in which he makes film films as well um, and just the gay porn of my dreams. So um, anyway, Kevo... I want to ask you, what are you most looking forward to on that beautiful board that you so painstakingly take the time to maintain, create, and keep beautiful for us? Uh, a lot of things. I I need to update and clean up because we've uh, we've knocked some things out. We've moved on from some things. Um, I'm going to currently pick this thing I snuck on the board, which is my High School Musical, the musical, the series final season poster. Oh my god, uh, my wife is on that. The most Maybe. unbelievably talented woman on television is right there on that poster. And we are all just so hey, lucky. Gina. To be Gina is the most unbelievably talented woman on all of television. Like I just really need her to win every Tony award. She is going to redefine Broadway for the rest of my lifetime. And I am I... so excited to be here for it. I will probably convince us to squish responding to this and red, white, and royal blue into one episode. So it can just be a whole bunch of super gay stuff at once. Oh boy. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we love the gay. Teak, what about you? Uh, well, you know, yesterday I said that it was Drag Race. So I've got to come up with something new. Uh, I... I would love to... 
come back to Secret Invasion when it's all said and done. I think Same. Uh, after we talk about SDCC and what's going on in the pages of the books that inspire a lot of these Marvel visual media, uh, coming to talk about this will be cathartic and refreshing. Um, and I think that will kind of tie in well to an eventual conversation about the Marvels. And those are two properties with some big ties to some things that are happening in the comics and just how these worlds are all pushing and pulling on each other is interesting and challenging and is good to talk about. I love that. Yeah. You know, for me, it's actually crime scene kitchen for this week because next week is the merger yes, and it is. the two front runners, these two young women are these two brilliant bakers who have guessed the most, the three strangest things in the world, right? They've guessed three weeks in a row what the preheat bake is. And you know that makes that so fucking fascinating is all three of their preheat bakes have been told they were terrible. They were only correct. They were bad. What happens if they don't guess right against professional bakers? You know what? I want to see what happens when Batman doesn't have his belt. And that's what we're in for. The best reality shows take the ideas that percolate within our fiction. Not the ones that are the fiction, but the ones that slowly boil in the background, that percolate, that make us wonder what the deepness of those beans are going to taste like. And they bring it to fruition over the course of humanity, over the course of like expanding who this person is. We've seen three weeks of these young women be geniuses who've never baked once. I want to see what happens because they're my choice. They're my pick. They're my win. But goddamn, burn it down, girls. Let's do it. I'm really excited. Crime Scene Kitchen has never been better. So. <laughs> All right, guys, it is my pleasure to be part of this show every week. These three uh, men that have joined us today, uh, TK, Kevo, and Jonah, represent like three of the greatest people I've ever known. And it is just my honor to be the guy who talks the most on this show. Um, it's also my honor and also my decision because I clearly cut everybody off. So thank you all so much for putting up with that. And uh, I think the all of you are beautiful. But Wednesday... We're going to take this crew of four and we're going to uh, make room for one more. It's going to be a full fist. And we're going to add Jake uh, because if you want to know somebody who can make my mind spin when it comes to comics, you should hear Jake talk comics. It's beautiful. Um, but until the theologians come to make the funny pages good books, uh, we are going to take a few days, uh, get our brains together, talk some SDC. Oh, oh, oh. Did you see, do you see who's yeah. in the chat? <gasps> Jacob Hello, Kruger. Jacob. Oh, what a genius. Love it. We do um, be talking about you, love. We do. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that like I Here's think burning. It's one of the things that makes our show kind of interesting. I don't think we're the viewer or anything, but like um even when you're not on the show, you're part of the show. And like we bring up the people whose voices aren't here because this is a community. This is a community the way food Just trucks are a community. Yeah. It matters. We bring up the middle names because they matter. So anyway, um, because your body is basically a beard, 
Uh, we cannot wait to make more of this show for you incredible folks because you are the reason. And that's why we have been given the incredible opportunity to say to you, and it's, it's 849 on Sunday, and I get to say this to you. The incredible folks at FlameCon took a chance on a little comic book called Kid Riot uh, seven years ago, six years ago. And they said this comic book might be something someday. Maybe just these creators will. I don't know, but I believe in these creators. And uh, they gave us a chance, and they've given us chances every time we've ever applied and reached out when we've forgotten to and have never not made room for us. And I need to say that these mascots weren't just uh, well thought. They were designed by the brilliant Terry Bloss, who deserves all of your attention, all of your energy. Go check Terry out on the internet. He is a king of uh, Latinx queer art, does some beautiful work. And uh, I'm not saying that maybe uh, his art is... uh, too titillating but it can be so if you're also into some sexy guys uh definitely check out his work but FlameCon has given us the opportunity on august 12th a saturday so maybe a day we'll be broadcasting at 5 p.m to share something the three of us have been working on for almost a year now a brand new uh game show called deal breakers which takes all of your favorite things about all of your favorite topics, spins them on their head, turns them inside out, and takes a look at what makes them work. Everybody gets a topic. They get to bring their three favorite things in that topic and then debate why their favorites are good and why other people's might miss the mark a little bit. It's never about tearing down other people's favorites, but always about talking about what makes the core of something so magical. And uh, I know what makes the core of this so magical. It's the incredible graphics provided by Kevo and the unbelievable perspective provided by TK. And uh, I'll throw in the music provided by me and uh, make it a good time. So, guys, as always, it is our damn pleasure to bring the show to you uh, three times a week, as many weeks as we can do three, sometimes two, sometimes one. But uh, deal break. Right. I can't wait. So until next time, stay strong, be brave. Evolve daily, and we'll see you.